Hey guys, brand new birdcast, and it's a good one. Um, I have Donnell Rollins on today. Oh, Birdie Boy World Tour next week. It is in Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, Evansville, Indiana, and Louisville. And then the following week, I think we're in Medford, Massachusetts, and Foxwoods. Two, sh three shows have been added. I think that's right. Medford, Massachusetts, which is uh, the Chevalier. Yeah. I think we've added. There's three shows total, and then Foxwoods. We've added a second show of Foxwoods, and it keeps going. Listen, we've also shared, oh, added shows at the Beacon Theater in New York City, and uh, DC Dark Constitution Hall, and Atlanta, and Nashville, and. What's the other one I wanted to mention? Now you're just showing off. Anyway, those are the added shows. Today's a good podcast with Donnell Rollins, who I've, I've done, by the way, I've been friends with Donnell for probably 15, 13 years. 13 years, probably, yeah. yeah. But I've known Donnell for 21 years. I've known him since I started stand-up. We talk about, we talk a little bit about his getting into stand-up. I forget what we talk about. We talk about, uh, the, we talk about Kobe Bryant. We talk about the Ari uh, drama with Kobe a little bit. Uh, and look, I, I, uh, yeah, it's, by the way, we also get pretty fucking high right off the bat. Um, so I don't remember much of what we talk about. All I remember is dying laughing at, at fucking Donnell's impression of Ari Shavir. <laughs> I was crying. I, I, I might've laughed harder on this podcast than I've ever laughed. I don't talk much. I really got pretty fucking high and Donnell was completely unfazed by the weed. Maybe not the best podcast where you want to approach the uh, Ari Kobe drama and get high as fuck and then barely listen, but regardless, it's a great podcast. You're going to get a kick out of it. Um, I'm here with my wife who has a podcast called Wife of the Party. I do. Yeah. And do, do your impression of me again. Oh, of la last night? Yeah. I think I'm just going to go sleep on the bus. <laughs> Everything I do sounds like this. You know what I like being on the bus? I like being on the bus because when I want to wear a tracksuit, then everybody wears a tracksuit. If that's what, what I, I want, said. then that's everybody does what I, what I want. That's not what I said. And then I come to this house, and it doesn't work like that. And then this is my impression of Leanne. <laughs> like that. This episode of Burtcast is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a longtime partner and was the driving force behind Sober October with my buddies, Tom, Joe, and Ari. To kick off 2020, we're all taking on a new weight loss challenge and going on different diets and exercising a ton to see what kind of results we can get by the end of February. I did a hot spin every day this week so far, and I ran three miles. I ran 86 miles last month. If you just woke up and you weren't following along, when I wore Whoop 24-7 to understand the impact of no booze, no bud, no nothing lifestyle, the tracker changed my relationship with my body. It measures things like resting heart rate, heart rate variability, and sleep. This mountain of data is analyzed by their algorithms that then pluck out the most important factors to help you change your daily behavior. Look, you feel better when you sleep more. That's a no-brainer. But when you don't get enough sleep, your brain just doesn't work the right way. It tricks you into thinking you don't have enough energy for the day and it tells you you're hungry. Less sleep at leads to more eating. And I'm not saying that I'm going to stay in bed until March, but sleep is just as important a factor for me right now than hitting the gym. Whoop is the best tool out there to help you get better sleep. And it even has a sleep coach, which recommends the sleep you need to feel better for the next day. If you want to be better, 
or just keep up with me, which I doubt you can, but if you want to try to, and lose weight to kick off 2020, head over to whoop.com right now. Use the promo code BERT at checkout for 15% off your membership today. Funny story, last night I was with my nephew, Teddy. I had a meeting over at Netflix, and I walked over to my sister's. If you saw this on my Instagram story, you already know what this went down. If you didn't, just enjoy this great story. So he sat on a bouncy ball, and he fell off hard, and he and he uh, landed hard, and I laughed pretty aggressively. And he started laughing because I was laughing. And then he was like, oh, okay. So then he fake fell off the ball and started laughing. And I started laughing at the idea that he was laughing and him falling off the ball because he knew it made me laugh. And we were laughing together. You ready for this, Halston? Then he's eating his soup, and he's looking at me, and he farts loud, and I laugh. I laugh really loud. And then he farts again, and I go, did you just make yourself fart? And he laughs again, and he farts again. And I go, Teddy, are you farting on purpose? And now he's crying laughing. And I go, do it again. And I put the camera up, and he starts pushing, and he shits his pants. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I go, he goes, did you shit your pants? He goes, poop. I poop. <laughs> he really shit his he pants. He shit his fucking pants. That's oh, funny. that kid was so funny. By the way, then he farted four more times, shit his pants twice. <laughs> it was the goddamn funniest kid. I just, I literally was like, I shouldn't be around children at all. Not only am I a bad parent, I'm a bad adult. So that was my funny story. When I want to wear a tracksuit, then everybody wears a tracksuit. I come here and no one wears a tracksuit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. It was guys- a rough reentry day. It was a rough re-entry It was a rough re-entry day for Birdie Boy. I'm just going to sleep on the bus. (laughs) I'm just going to go in the yard and eat worms. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm at the comedy store tonight. I'm heading there now. I got four shows. You know what I like about the bus? Because what I say is what we do. No one questions it. They just do it. Doesn't happen in this house. <laughs> yeah, because everyone's got an opinion. I said something last night and George just goes. <laughs> I would hope everyone has an opinion. If not, they'd be robots. Georgia just defends you blindly. No, she does not. Blindly. That's not true. Blindly. That's not true. I'll say something. She goes, actually, dad. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You're my child. No. Stay out of this. She does that because sometimes your reality may be a little skewed. Your your hyperbolized leak into our household sometimes, and I think she just tries to keep everybody in the truth, and she just doesn't always wear a tracksuit. Yeah, must be hard. Must be hard. Hi, baby um, pie. All right, I think you're gonna like this week's podcast, uh, <laughs> Birdie Boy World Tour. We've got. Uh, I'm bringing coins out on the road with me this week. What are you going to do with next them? Next week. Next, it's next week. I'm home this weekend. What are you going to do with them? Uh, hit me up. If you want a coin, I'll throw a few in my pocket. And if I got one in my pocket, I'll give you a challenge coin. Um, I like it's. I like rewarding people that listen to the podcast. That's cool. And I like people. I like it's not rewarding, but like I like people rewarding people that sit through my ad reads and and this interest the intro part. I like this intro part. The intro really part fun. is actually the best part of the entire podcast. So that's what a lot of people say. Uh, <laughs> new two bears, one cave coming out next week. I think a new Bill Bird is coming out next week or the week after. Um, guys, thank you so much for all your support. I will see you on tour on the road, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, <laughs> Donnell. Ro- <laughs> no, I got to do it better. I got to do it better. I got to do it better. I got to. Uh, anyway, 
I think you know what what is I will say this what is beautiful and and everyone knows uh knows that I've me and Tom have talked about what's what happened with Ari and a little bit but what's beautiful is I think this is the first time and I think because Donnell came at it with like a really yeah aggressive and honest opinion this is the first time I've laughed about what happened with him yeah it was kind of cool it was kind of all light and, and and you know obviously I know people still are very polarized by that um all I'll say is I'm not sure people are polarized. Polarized meaning they're on the opposite end of the spectrum of where Ari is. Oh. Yeah. You mean he's on one side he's and everybody else. He's polarized people. He, yeah, okay. Yeah. When when you say people are polarized, that makes me think there's two two groups of people. No, it's pretty much one group. It's I pretty think much one group. I agree. It's pretty much, it's one, pretty group much one group versus but, one person. Yeah, but mm. uh, but it, Donnell came in a little hot. I oh, say. yeah. A little hot. <laughs> was he? Yeah. Oh. Did he have an agenda? Yeah, yeah, he was not. He I, and I, I think he had already done a po full podcast about about uh, Kobe? about Ari. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was firing real hot the whole time. Wow, it's fucking awesome! Yeah, it's he is awesome. He's a ball Donnell's of energy. Fuck, he Donnell's firing hot the whole time. Yeah, you guys are gonna love this episode. I guarantee it. Uh, thank you for all the continued support. I will see you on the road, Birdie Boy World Tour, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, uh. Donnell Rollins. Oh, oh, before I forget, check out Donnell Rollins' podcast. The Donnell Rollins Show. Check out Donnell Rollins' podcast. The Donnell Rollins Show. Check out Donnell's podcast. The Donnell Rollins Show. That's the name of it, right? Yes. It's the Donnell Rollins Show. Uh, What's Donnell's it fucking awesome. He really is awesome. I've known him forever. You're gonna love this episode. Without further ado, I know this is the fifth time I've introduced him, ladies and oh, ladies and gentlemen. I, mean, I can't do it. Enjoy Donnell doing it. Donnell Rollins. This is that episode is so fucking funny, dude. <laughs> My mind. What? The Are we episode. live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Not like this. Live, you got a live. treadmill and obviously you're not using it, Bert. Shut the fuck no, up. No, obviously, I'm just saying, you know, people got props in their lives, right? Is that your prop right there? Because, no, my props are all over in this corner. Oh, man, you got all white people stuff in here, son. Yeah. Mountain bikes, uh, uh, golf clubs. Yep. Golf clubs, I got I got um, the Pigeon, Nike. Beer SP tab, golf. that is the most white thing you can do. I got IPA. Look, at, look at my hat collection. I'm, I'm pretty hip-hop. Nah, I'm part of the culture. Black. I'm part that's of the culture. And you got the black type of uh, hats too, man. Yeah, the yeah. Fitteds. Oh, yeah. Not the Hootie and the Blowfist joints. <laughs> the Hootie and the Blowfist joints have white chicks chasing you all goddamn days, son. Hootie <laughs> and the Blowfish. Where? All right, these are, so these are both the pre-rolls. Remember those pre-rolls I had? Yeah, I do. When we did your show. Yeah, that's Spark. They're both Sativas. I'm, I'm a supporter of Sativa. I can't smoke a whole one. I'll just take a hit. All right. Um, oh my God! You know when I smoke weed, I get too talkative, and I've been known to ruin podcasts. Wait, what? What? That the best was I saw you the post you did with Chappelle the other day. Yeah, where you were talking, where he was trying to was he introducing the Wu Tang? It clan? was Wu Tang. It was it was so funny because I've, I mean it's known that I had a podcast with Joe Rogan. Yeah, that for some people say went very very wrong. <laughs> The streets are set. Yo, I'm going to tell you, you deal with this more than me. I can't handle trolls, son. Oh. I'm, I'm too sensitive. Like, I don't care if you're 13. I don't care if you're 14. If you pop some <laughs> shit to me, I want to fucking go for your neck. 
So everybody thinks that I have this horrible relationship with the RZA because they say I ruined this podcast. But what people don't take in consideration is that from that podcast, RZA has given me four beats for my podcast. Really? We've built a relationship. We've been a friendship. We communicate with each other. And he specifically reached out to me to see if me and Dave could do an intro for Loud Records at the 25-year anniversary of Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. So they was kind of jammed on who or how uh, they were going to start, I mean, what introduced Wu-Tang. Yeah. Um, I don't know who is engraved in hip-hop culture in regard to comedy and music more than Dave Chappelle. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone. Not, I mean, not, well, Cat Williams was, it had, Cat Williams, but I don't think he's as big in comedy as Dave is. Yeah, but the thing was, because Cat didn't Cat work with uh, Jim Jones and yeah yeah and all those a, guys? I think he was on their label. He, he yeah. did the album too. But the thing was that um that uh RZA wanted us to do this, and RZA as serious as everybody want to take the podcast, you ruin the fucking podcast. RZA found the humor in it so much that he said, "Why don't you guys do the intro for Radio City Music Hall, sixty five hundred yeah. people?" So it took me goddamn three days to get Dave Chappelle to do it because it was always in the middle of a drink. He was like, uh, I don't think it's a good time. Yeah. I don't think it's a good time. But we finally did it. And it all, it shows the connection that I have with Wu-Tang and them now because it was well-received and it fucking blew up on my page. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was, it was a good look. So for all the naysayers that want to say I ruined Riz's podcast, I might have ru ruined Riz's podcast. Here, I think it's. I, think yeah, it's I don't know if I like a white dude putting a black thing in my face like that. <laughs> I, I might have ruined Riz's podcast, but the relationship I built, gang gang all day, sir. Dude, but you, but more importantly, you started your podcast right after then. I did, and you know what? I'm a believer in turning, um, uh, making what is the phrase? Uh, uh, making lemonade into lemons. Lem lemons and lemonade. And lemonade. Yeah. Because as damn, are you, are you the police? Why no. you give it back to me no. so soon? I gotta, so? I gotta fucking run tonight. And this affects your run. I thought Sestiva and, and kind of helps I don't the know, situation. I never run high. Yeah, but what did you just ask me? But you started your podcast based off I of that. I started my podcast because I had already had intentions on starting it. But you know, sometimes in life, something has to happen where you say, I'm really going for it. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a heart attack. You know what I'm saying? That, that was with the situation with Kevin Smith. I mean, something that has to happen where you feel like you want to live life really to the fullest. Yeah. Perfect example when the, with the Kobe Brown situation. You know what I'm saying? I know you probably share the same sentiment being a father. Oh, you dude. wanted to love your family and you wanted to love your kids more than any fucking thing. And that's what I did dude. with the with, with that. I was like, you know what? All these people are coming at me. I said, let me use this negative energy and everything to fuel me. And it it happened. I started my podcast on YouTube. You 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 big numbers, but for me, I was like, how do I get out the gate? I started. I had a stale page that only had like five hundred subscribers. This is I'm going to my eleventh episode, and um, I went from five hundred subscribers. Now I got twenty six thousand. You know what I'm saying? Like the first episode I did, we got a hundred thousand um views. But I just feel so good knowing that I'm in control of it. Can nobody tell me what to do? Yeah. And I've seen that you've done that for your career. For the for the longest time, you've you figured it out a lot faster than a lot of people, and that's the zone I'm in right now. And at a being creative, doing what the fuck I want to do, and letting the negativity push me to go go hard. But it's mm -hmm. you you've you've been you've you, it's funny you say you don't have you don't you don't like trolls, but you've been doing too soon. That's right with with Donna Rollins. Yeah, yeah, we got an nice story right here. You've been doing too soon with Donna Rollins on Instagram for long going hard though. Like inviting them to come fuck with you. No, not inviting me to come because I don't really, I don't, Um, you mean the trolls? Yeah, like on your Instagram, you've done 
what you've put posts up there where I go, where I go, God damn, he's going, you're not fucking around at all. If you think I ain't fucking around with the ones that I posted, yeah. you should see the shit that don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> the unedited shit, because I work with my guy, Bearded Humor. He's like hey, one of, I want to talk about bearded humor. Yeah, he's a dope. But what I'm saying is, like, our mindset, like, he has a comedian, stand-up comedian's mind, but he he, he expresses it through memes. Yeah. He expresses it through that style of comedy. But this dude, he sent me some shit sometime, Bert, and I'm like, uh... You want any more of that? Yeah, uh, No, I'll, you can put it out. God damn, you feel like the police. You keep handing it back to me, man. Inhale. <laughs> I took but two this, I, I, I've checked my inbox sometimes, and he'll put stuff up. He'll say, what about this? And I'm like, and I'm the king of too soon. I'm like, that's too soon. <laughs> Especially when it borders on being insensitive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, like, he, he has a dark sense of humor. Uh, I have a dark sense of humor. But at the same time, it's certain areas that I won't go. But that dude is, he's so brilliant, man. With it. But I never, like, maliciously on my too soon's go out to hurt anybody. Yeah. It's always funny. And part of my phrase of too soon, and I always use as an example, a joke can be too soon, but it can never be too soon for a funny observation. Yeah. And for the most part, that's what we do. Even the darkest comics, people don't understand. Our mindset is, don't matter what happened in life, Bert, we thinking about the funny first. Yep. And death, and life, and in anything, in relationships, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure you've had arguments with your wife and you're like, oh, this is fucked up. Oh, yeah. But on the inside, you're like, <laughs> if I have enough balls to bring this to the stage, it'll be next level. And that's what it is with me. I, well, I, I wrote a joke. I, I mean, as soon as the Kobe thing happened, I wrote a joke sitting in my man cave. Right. And I put it on my Instagram. <laughs> I think I deleted it because I was like, man, I, I don't want to be a part of the negativity. The, all the joke was, was uh, there was a helicopter hovering over the helicopter crash. Right. I said, that's got to be a tough helicopter to be in. Being like, <laughs> fuck. But that's funny, yeah, bro. But, and then, but man, then Ari went real fucking hard. No, Ari went to a level. like He was. What, I don't think he was writing a joke. I think it was a character. I, I don't know. I can't defend it. I'm not going to ever try to defend it. Well, it's it. not. You know, I'll always I, just say he drugged me. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, and a lot of people, like, you know how some people just need another monkey on their back? <laughs> and it's like, I didn't even know you got drugs, son. <laughs> yeah. And then when you got drugged, I was like, what was the big deal? Did, did he ask for it? But <laughs> it was people, yo, it. it was people just couldn't wait. Like, they had that beef in their pocket. Yeah. And they was like, oh, yeah, motherfucker. And you drug fucking burnt. I'm like, <laughs> so? Like, I didn't see where the, where the harm was, but everybody was. Yeah. But with that, like what you said, that wasn't a direct dig at kobe yeah that wasn't insensitive that was an observation you know what i'm saying and that was your thoughts it wasn't like i mean when you tell when you say hours that you you celebrate the fact that somebody died who who's gonna fuck with that it's a, it's a hard it's a you know it's so funny i i i, I, I mean i I think that's where he got put into a bad spot was he thought people would just line up behind him and go, you know, freedom of speech. And I think most people were like, most dads, I remember Segura texted me and was like, did you see what Ari texted? But it's case by case, Bert. It's case yeah. by case. People said, this is what he'd been doing for years. But for some reason, those people didn't resonate with the world the way Kobe, Kobe did. Yeah, Kobe resonated hard as fuck. You know what I'm saying? And then another thing, like I even talked about this, when the shit was going down, when I first heard it, I didn't believe it. Yeah. TM, I was like, yo, fuck that. I was like, I didn't believe it. And then it wasn't on any other news outlets. And the first thing I thought was, I was like, oh, shit. The goddamn Russians that hacked TMZ's account. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I couldn't. And then when yeah. I tried to click on, it was like it broke the internet. You know oh. when you crash, it's crashed the server. And then I said to myself, wait a minute. If TMZ is not correct about anything, when somebody dies, they got it right. Yeah, they get it right all the time. And then I said to myself, you know, I was like, who was in a helicopter? And I, yo, bro, I was like immediately, immediately. I was like this. I mean, not to say that losing Kobe in itself when and those other people wouldn't have been a tragedy, but you definitely don't want to feel a kid not a kid, bro. No. And when when the shit went down, bro, I was like this. Oh man, it, I hope wasn't no none of the kids. The kids wasn't on the on the elevator, on the not elevator, but the helicopter. Yeah. And then sometimes no, there wasn't a report. And then when they said that, man, I just. I just fucking like fell to my knees. I thought about my son more than anything. And while I'm in that moment, this motherfucker is on social media talking about an allegation that was proven to be correct. Yeah. We can make so many arguments about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You in entertainment, bro. You know how motherfuckers can set you up. Yeah. I mean, been, you, you know how I could be like, okay, it's going this way, and all of a sudden, that celebrity hit somebody. Dude, Amber Heard, Amber Heard, and Johnny Depp. Right. She said that he beat her. She wanted more money. Right. Johnny Depp settled out of court, and now it's come out she was physically abusive to him, and that he was the like all the whole time going, "Please stop hitting me. Right. You got to stop being physical." Right. And then, and so I, the, you can't deny that some they're crazy fucking people that are female and that are male. 100. You can't deny that. Right. But the thing is, it's like, like. It's timing. Like right now, when they still picking up remains, you think that's a good time to bring him, take him to no. trial in public, what would consider to be public um, public opinion? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And did you did you state all the facts of that? I don't know exactly what down, but the thing that I know what I've heard the most is that uh, this young lady had eight or nine different semen samples in her underwear. I don't know if that's true or false. I don't know if it's true or false. And also was recorded that that day she was in the club bragging to her friends about having sex with Kobe Bryant. The only thing that, well, the fucking thing about that, when someone is ever um, accused of uh, taking somebody, taking advantage of somebody sexually, you don't ever want it to be like, it shouldn't be guesswork. You shouldn't be like, oh, is this real? Yeah. But the world we live in now, sometimes this shit is real. Sometimes um, um, it's not real. But right as this guy's dead, his family is grieving. I don't think that was the right time to even be of that opinion. Yeah. But I was even talking to Rogan the other day about it, right? And I was like, um, it's just, it's a, it's an awful thing because it's important for us to be able to have freedom of speech. Yeah. But it's certain times. I can I can still you, love Ari and just go, he fucked up. He fucked up. And then, and. He fucked up, and I think he has the freedom to say whatever he wants. I don't think anyone's taking that away from him. And I think he would say, I don't know if he'd say he fucked up, but I think he would realize that was not the right tweet to send. You know, the more, yo, man, this is the thing, my, and I said it on my podcast. It wasn't funny, bro. Yeah, it wasn't I'm funny. more, as a comedian, I'm more offended by the joke writing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who wrote that? Who wrote that death joke? You ain't got nobody can write better death than that. But those type of comics, you got to realize those type of comics, they they live for that. They they walk the tightrope. They walk the tightrope. They know what's on yeah. the other side. Yeah, he's been them, he's been in trouble a lot. Yeah, but they 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 that people like that. I'm not knocking anybody's style, but they walk that tightrope until it pop. 
Kathy Griffin, she walked it until it popped. Gilbert Gottfried, he walked it until it popped. Those are the people, they live like, it's like a, 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 a thrill seeker. Is that some white? You yeah. should know about this. It's motherfuckers that you, you did your show years yeah, yeah. ago pretty much about that. It's the thrill of it. And with the thrill of anything, the consequences could be crazy. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. thrill of climbing Mount Rushmore, you want to do it, but you also know every hundred feet you go, like, I could die. Yeah. Some people search for that. For that, One thing I said with about Ari, if he has a fan base for that, he's going to have to, what I consider like the, the Trump, the, Trump effect, Focus on his base. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it, it's probably so hard for him to get new fans. It's going to... But the fans... It's going to be tough for people to go, hey, that guy was funny. Let me Google him. And then they go, oh, that's the Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, uh, yo, this is uh, this is what black people get upset with white people about sometimes. <laughs> Where do we start? Yo, let me tell you, that shit-eating smirk Black people don't smirk, right? <laughs> Black people twerk. I don't know none of my niggas that smirk, son. I don't even know. It's Black like it's a, yo, yo, son. It's something from the inside, and only a white person can do it, bro. I tried to get my man to smirk the other day. He said, "Nigga, I beat the shit out you trying to get me to smirk." No homo. If you t if for a black person, you gotta say if you bring up the word smirk, you gotta say no homo. You trying to smirk, and you'll get smacked. <laughs> and you know, I, I'm let me try it. I'm gonna try it. Like, hold on, hold on. it's something like I can smirk. Wait, wait, so yo, quickly. you almost I smirked smirk, on me. I smirked so quickly. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> it's like it's come from his like it's like. A, <laughs> Oh. Yeah, you did it. Yo, son, you did it. The same toe. Kobe Bryant. Yo, yo, yo. This would piss me off, son. Yo, like, like, and you know that wasn't, you don't have a hate-filled tweet like that vid the first time. That was back to one. Yeah, that and was back to one. Actually, should I do, how should I do Kobe Bryant? Should I? He probably had a director like, could you, uh, could you, <laughs> Be bad. The way he did it, he said, yo, it was, it was like this, son. It was like Kobe Bryant. Yo, I was like, is he? Yo, I was like, I thought he was gonna be like Kobe Bryant. Uh, his record was just broken. Yeah, by, by right, I thought it was gonna be. I did not know Kobe Bryant. I was like Kobe Bryant. And then he said is gone. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh. I'm like, ooh, you about to pay for that one, son. Man, black people will never get behind Ari. Um, Mexicans, no. well, Mexicans, dude, I'd say Mexicans like Kobe better than black people do. Oh, yeah, I don't know why that is. Because his, his wife's Mexican and he spoke Spanish, so he'd do press conferences and speak Spanish. And if you're watching... KTLA or KCAL 9 or whatever the Lakers played on, you and you're a Mexican it. fan, you're, you're a Mexican It's an automatic fan. connection. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is my guy. That's how it was. It's so funny you say that. That's how it was when I was, you know, I was in the Air Force. I was stationed in Kunsan, Korea, right? Yeah. And I speak Korean. Not at a, not, at a, not not that floor or anything, but a conversation level. But anytime you go anywhere in the world, if people love when you take 
the time oh. to try to communicate with them on their level and not be the asshole American that goes to any country and be mad when motherfuckers don't speak English. You mean Nigga in Bangladesh like, motherfucker. You mean Patrice O'Neill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Patrice, but, Patrice but, would just <laughs> yell English louder at them. But Patrice O'Neill was angry about everything. Everything. But I'm going to tell you something. But his style of it, he made sense of it. Yeah. It wasn't just... Uh, uh, outcry for attention. It wasn't a shock fact, even though the things he said were shocking, but it came with some understanding and it was like he knew what he was talking about. His outrageous premises, his pre his outrageous statements were a premise to a, a bit. Right. Like when he said, if you're not attracted, I remember him telling Louis one time, if you're not attracted to <laughs> Louis black C. women, yeah. Oh my if God. If you're not attracted to black women, you're gay. And Louis's like, no, I'm not attracted to black women. And he goes, that means you're gay. And, and but like, that's a, a crazy statement, but he would back it up with a angle he had. Just with, and explain yeah. why. Yeah. And I think I think that's the thing is like you can always appreciate So am I gay? You're not attracted to black nah. women? <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. I had a hootie the blowfish era, son. I had people be like, you said that people like this. Oh, they talking about that motherfucker right there. I had my fever moments, my fever years. Yeah. You know what I think is crazy? I had a talk with I had a talk with um God damn it. Who was I with? My bus driver, Ron, and I was saying, uh, he said, he said, have you ever said the N word? Is he black? Yeah, he's black, yeah. You know how I knew he's that? He's from Compton. You know how I knew that? How? Because you did the title of his job before you said his name. <laughs> My gardener, Jose. <laughs> My bus driver, Ron. That's, yo, you a smooth motherfucker, son. <laughs> Melvin, my bus driver, Melvin Steinberg. You're never going to hear that. It'll be like Steinberg, my accountant. Oh, we were we were talking. Right, when you talk about white people, they put their title at the end. Yeah, my black people Ryan. put everything in the Bert, front. my lawyer. Yeah, like, you know, like former rapists. You know what I'm saying? Like you give all that shit in the front. White people just put their shit in the back. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, no, he said. Uh, he Ron says, the bus driver. Ron the bus driver. <laughs> he said something about the N word. He goes, "Wait, you have you said the N word?" And I was like, "Of course." And he uh, was like, "Wait, what?" Right. And I was like, "And I, I think." There's a disconnect. So I said this on stage the other night, the conversation Ron and I had, and the second you say that as a white person, everyone like goes, whoa. And you're like, no, I've not used it, but I've said it. Right. I sang it when I heard of NWA. I pitched it in Hollywood, fucking in a movie pitch to Will Smith. Right. Like, and I, I and I, I think there's a disconnect on people where people go, like when you say, especially when you say it in an audience, people are like, whoa. Right. And you're like, hey, there's a, there's not a difference in the, the word is a horrible word, but you, but to, to admit that you've said it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, like they were trying, they've, I've seen them make videos, compilation videos of people right. saying it. I, I'm a believer. I'm a strong believer. And, um, you know, people are going to not fill uh, uh, my position, but I believe everything is context. I agree. And the reason why, it, it, a lot of people don't understand this, and the, the N-word argument it's gonna go on for on forever and ever. I would never, I would never say it like I would never say it now. I'd never say it in front of. I would, I would never say it like, but it, it like on stage. If it was, I had a joke where it was the punchline to a joke. It was so great. I tried it a couple times and people watched it and they'd be like, "There's nothing wrong with it." But for me, it made me uncomfortable just to do that, and so I stopped doing it. But in context, I think you're right. But the thing is. If it if they don't fight it then like if it if it feels uncomfortable and that's how you feel yeah. then don't do it yeah you know what I'm saying it's like you answered that question it's like yeah. okay why well, I know I could push it whatever but I just rather not do it yeah but it's context I give you an example my relationship 
on the on the Chappelle show. Everybody just assumes because um, I'm from DC. Um, uh, that I'm from DC. Dave Chappelle's from DC. That he was the singular reason why I was on the show. He was the last say, but it was Neil Brennan who basically found me. Dave knew of me. Neil found me auditioning for In Living Color years ago. He had a low-end job, whatever. Um, he just connected with me. He, he wanted to do a project. After he wrote all these films, uh, he was making money after Half-Baked, but his picture, his films weren't getting the green light. So he had the mindset to think in the future. He's like, fuck, I can get on as a director. But he never directed anything. So he wrote this short, and I've told this story many times. He wrote this short, and he reached out to my manager, Jason Steinberg, you yeah, know. Right, he was like, you think Donnell would be interested in doing this for me? I'm trying to, I want to learn how to edit, I want to do everything, but I got to have a project. And at the time, I was on fire. I was doing HBO's The Corner. For for where I came from in the black circuit, I was I want to talk. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Finish your story, but I want to talk about D.C., New York, the black circuit. Because I, I remember, I remember. Yeah, I, so I had it, I had it popping. So I was like, um, tell Mr. Brennan that um, I know he can't afford my rate. <laughs> I ain't even have a rate, son. <laughs> I was like, I just couldn't wait to tell somebody they couldn't afford me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Before that, everybody could afford me. So I can't could afford, afford me everything. I was like, I know he can't afford me. And I didn't even know Neil was already loaded. Yeah. I was like, but I'll throw him this bone. But um, if he's ever in a position to throw me a bone back, I'll take it. Cut to, he reached out. I did the thing for him. He reached out. He's like, I'm working this project. I was like, what's the project? He was like, we don't have a name of you for it yet. I was like, well, when you find out the name, let me know. I'm not even showing interest yet. Yeah. Cut to, cut to, that project that he threw me the bone was Chappelle's show. That's such a so such a when now, now now here's the context. It's just me saying when I, when I realized how big that show was and what he did for me, I didn't look at. I was like, "That's my nigga." Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like it was for me. It was the term of endearment. It was just like because when 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 a black person says, "That's my nigga," yeah, you know what I'm saying? Y'all don't even have a word that shows. Mm -mm. Unity, my my bro, my brother. Nah, that don't sound right. I, we, I, I white said, people. What do they do? Like, what is the equivalent to that's my nigga? <clears throat> um, uh, he's my best friend. <laughs> Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Yo, did you just smirk it, son? Did you just smirk your n word? <laughs> Bert Kreischer is gone. <laughs> Oh my god! But you know what I'm saying. You doing, and you doing, Ari doing that is the funniest fucking yo, thing. Like I did a cast the other day, <laughs> and um, and uh, Jay Moore dropped in on it. Right, he just oh, bum, he just bum rushed it, and then I was talking about his career. I'm seeing him. You know when he came up Boston, yeah. Red Johnny and the Round Eye Guy and all those dudes just to smoke that shit. And he dropped in, and I said, I said, Jay, that's my nigga. And he said, Did you come me, nigga? I said, You can't say it. We can't. What? Yeah, I didn't know. I was like, "You can't say." He said, "Did you just take my nigga away from me?" <laughs> you know, yeah. but I—that's uh, different. It's context. It's context, and yeah. I know him. Yeah, yeah. You I respect him. You, and know you understand saying? that he has no. There's not. A, there's no heart, hate in his heart. Right. You guys are having a conversation. as two comics talking. Yeah. I just have seen so many people, so many white comics in a period of time in like the in like the early two thousands, mid two thousands, where where maybe there wasn't such attention paid to that word go up and try to do jokes about the word. And it right. was so hacky 
that I was like, ugh, it was gross. And so I don't ever want to be attached to just. But that work, that work is could ruin a career. Yeah, Michael Richards. Oof. I'm gonna tell you something. The story about that, the Michael Richards story. And I'm a comic, comic. When I first, when I fought, saw the clip that they got, the little piece of the set, me as a comedian, I'm like, I, we could feel the energy, we could feel the rage, yeah, we could feel if somebody saying something to be funny, whatever. But what I felt in that clip was that something happened before he snapped. Yeah. And m- my theory is that. And this is the worst thing any community, whatever your race is, would ever want to hear. Especially when you're trying some shit and it ain't going down and there's silence in the room and you get that asshole yell out, you're not funny. You're corny. You, oh my, <laughs> bruh, bruh, the word corny? Corny is the worst. Yo, when I, when they was, when they was trolling me for the RZA podcast, they was hitting me hard. Let RZA <laughs> speak. And you know, these assholes, they're so assholes that they would tell you, show to type in the time code of when they really hated you. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, oh my God, I want to kill myself at 138. <laughs> 138 and 13 seconds. Yo, like, yeah, I was like, but the one that pissed me off the most, somebody tweeted, corny ass nigga. Man. Oh. Man. And I was so offended. Aaron's like, yeah, I know you had to be offended by the N-word. No, I was offended corny. by the C-word. <laughs> corny is the N-word. Oh for comedians. God. And especially when black people say it to you on stage and you're white. Yeah. Because they don't just like. Well, They've written you off so far. They, there's never coming back from It is that. different. Okay. Now here's equivalent to the black smirk. The corny. Yeah. Like white person say corny. It's like, you're corny. It but when a black person yeah. say, and look at this side of my face. So it's like, corny ass nigga. <laughs> like, it's like you got something in your eye. You want to start a fight after that. That's the difference, son. Oh, mid-roll reads. Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. This podcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Look, hiring's challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Cottable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced just how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you too can find an immediate difference by signing up free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best candidates and then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised how she found a qualified candidate so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. This podcast is brought to you by Raycon. Look around you. Everyone is wireless these days. It's a wireless world, and everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair of wireless earbuds, you need to check out these earbuds right here from Raycon. You already know about Raycon. They start at about half the price of the premium wireless earbuds on the market, 
and that they sound just as amazing as the top audio brands. I got them the other day, took them on my treadmill, put them in, and I put them to the test. I put in these, and by the way, I lose headsets like crazy. I lose wireless earbuds like crazy, and then you find them, and you're like, oh, there they are. Put in the other ones, the high-priced ones, could not tell a freaking difference. And Raycon's latest model, these, the E25 is their best one yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. Here, I'll take one out and show you. Take a look at that bad boy. Oh, look, they're still charged. I worked out with these the other day. Oh, shit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for on-the-go listening or just taking phone calls. I absolutely love these, and I'm telling you, they they live right here on my treadmill. These are my workout headsets. Unlike some of the other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems. Shut up, Alexa. You've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Melissa Etheridge. They are obsessed with Raycons. Pick up a pair and see what all the hype is about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Burkcast. That's buyraycon.com slash Burkcast for 15% off Raycon, Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Burkcast. So wait, you started, you started in D.C. With Tony Woods was there when you started? Yep, Tony Woods was there. And Red had not started, right? <laughs> no, right? Red, no, Red had not started. In fact, I mentored Red. Really? Red Grant, yeah. See, that was something that happened a lot in black clubs, which didn't happen a lot in white Mentoring? clubs. Mentoring? Yeah, because I, Tony Woods kind of took me under his wing when I started working the door. Right. And would kind of watch what I was doing and tell me where I was really fucking up. Right. I remember one time he was like, you know, you got this joke where you go, isn't it crazy we're all going to die? And I went, yeah. And he goes, yeah, that's like, no one doesn't cheer anybody up. He's <laughs> like, I'm just telling you, man. Like, just him saying yeah. that is fucking funny, man. He said, it's so funny. He would do jewels like that because when I first, I started in the Chitlin circuit, the black circuit in D.C. So, so wait, where is that? Like, where where is that? Well, for me in D.C. Not the D.C. improv. No, it was, a com it was a comedy connection to Greenbelt. We didn't have a black comedy club. Well, basically, it was a pizza shop. And at the time, um, uh, Chris... Thomas was on Rap City years ago. Yeah. And so Chris Thomas had the uh, power to promote anything. So he would do a comedy night at this pizza place. Like the Black Circuit, we didn't have the Garvins, the improvs. We just had, had to just, it was like pop-up shit. Yeah. So he blew the spot up where it turned into the premier place for Black comedy. Other than that, you might have had a Black night somewhere. But um, that's the circuit I came from. I didn't perform for white people probably for the first um, five or six months of my career. And when I and I left DC really early, and when I went up there, I used to always when I used to go to the Boston Comedy Club, and I and this was I started performing mainstream mixed recordings, and I always would say, um, "I'm black." This everything was like black, 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 and Tony said, "Shorty, <laughs> um, when they say your name, they know you black." <laughs> he was like, "You don't got to keep reminding them." He said, "Don't you don't got to be black?" He said, "Be funny." Yeah. And I was so, because it was just, that I guarantee you, the average black, <laughs> well-known comedian that makes their living off of just a black audience, that say do, do an hour worth of material in front of a black audience, if you put them in front of an all-white audience, that hour is going to turn into like 15 minutes. Really? Because a lot of times you can't rely on knowing the reference 
you can't rely on the inside joke. You could probably do the same turn, but now when you when you start crossing over, you gotta really explain. You gotta bring them into your world. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Some slang I might use from Brooklyn, whatever. If I go to like an all white room, I might have to explain it more or get so much deep into the character that it doesn't matter what he say, you're gonna follow it and you know the origins of him. It was know? funny. I used to, I used to tell this. I used to tell a story about Tracy Morgan. And one of the most fascinating parts of the story is that the first time I met him was through Tony. And with Tony Woods, I, I'm dying to get Tony on the podcast, was there for this evening of this crazy Tracy Morgan story I had. But what was fascinating about this was that I had never, I, I mean, I'd seen black comics work in the door at the Boston Comedy Club. I'd seen black comics go up, but Tracy was so authentically original. Like, and he, but his, it was almost like, and when you say that translation, I remember he was like doing observational material. I've this has always made me giggle. And he's like, most of his stuff was all observational. Yeah, and he's like, all right, all right. Who remembers finger fuck about the handball courts? <laughs> there were white people in there going, that never happened to us. No, but it made you curious to know. Yeah. And and then he, hey Jim, has that ever happened to you? You do spend a lot of time out on the weekends. <laughs> he was fucking. He was fascinating. Morgan? Tracy, Tracy Morgan, Morgan was. He was when he first started. He evolved, but he used to. He used to have this, he wasn't just a character. He was just like a, just a character. A, just like when you saw him, it was just something interesting about him. He used to have a propeller. He used to do this propeller thing. And it was like a prop thing. Everybody knew him by that. But he always was like the character dude. And yeah. in fact, that when he auditioned for SNL, I was on an audition. And I was didn't know about a showcase set. You know what I'm saying? You know certain ways you do certain shit. If you, you know, if you audition for SNL, whatever, they're going to be like three original characters, blah, 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 this, yeah. impressions. And I went up there and um, basically just tried to tell like regular jokes. And it was like, and I was hot then. But Tracy, I remember the audition, he did this character. He, he was like, what about the first black uh, hockey goaltender? <laughs> right? Now, me, I would have been like, I would have just said that first black a uh, uh, hockey goaltender. I would say like that. But he became the goaltender. Yeah. Like, I would just say, what he was, was the so black? good at that. Yo, he, I just saw his body go from, he was talking, and then he did this. Yeah. He did it. He became that. He was born to be a character actor. I used to do a character. He gave me so many good little notes. I used to do this white, white boy character. It was funny. And I would run my fingers <laughs> through my head like this. I would do like this. <laughs> Right, and he was like, "Yo, that's funny." He said, "But commit to that shit." He say, "The white boy's hair longer than that." <laughs> right? He commit basically, to that basically, shit. Basically, he, I went, and it made sense from here. And then he was, I was, I forgot the white dude's hair back here. He was like, "Take that shit all the way back then. Turn that shit." <laughs> you know, but he, he was, he was a fucking fascinating guy. Yeah, he was. I mean, he still is. He I mean, obviously, is, yeah. still, still is. But, but when he was younger. Like to to I, I've only party I only partied him once, but I I was around him a couple times. He'd be at the Boston. He was fascinating. I saw him go on stage, and he was like, he was like, you you ever be shopping for pornography? And then but and then he just got in a cart and that little square stage and shopping and shopped, and it was fucking oh booty holes. Like it was just the way he did it was yo, so fascinating. It's so funny. You remember certain things like yo, I hit that. I hit that balloon, not the asshole. Yeah. Like you remember those, like 
are Tracy Isms. And he came up. I got a pretty dick. You can suck it with the lights you on. Don't Yo, I, used, I was hanging out with him when he was you. <laughs> like everywhere we went, his shirt would come off. <laughs> Yo, I remember when he, when he had his he had his Burt Kreischer era uh, or time period. It was like 2001 or 2002. And I used That's to when hang I out met with him. him. That's when I met him. Uh, well, he might have stole. Did the black man steal it from you? No, 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 no. But he I stole it from Tracy Morgan. <laughs> he did it so much. I started doing that shit. Dude, he was like. The first time we hung out, he took took his shirt off and threw it in the waitress's face. I wonder. I wonder if you were there that night. It was. A, it was a long time ago. And we went to uh, uh, what was the name of that fucking club? Madame X. You remember Madame X? I remember Madame X in the village. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. That dude. Uh, who was it? Um, Musavia. Musavia was there. Yeah, yeah. I think Musavia yeah, was there. He put me onto it. <clears throat> yeah. If you wanted to smash Asian chicks, that's where you went. <laughs> Asian and white chicks not too many sisters up in that bitch but I, boy did I have my did I get my hoodie in the blowfish joint so wait so who did you move to New York with you just moved to New York by yourself I'm the, no I was Royale Watkins oh Royale beautiful Watkins. Royale Watkins great guy he was um, when I first started he was he had already did Def Jam and he had already been signed to Rush Communication that was a company under Def Jam but that produced the show and he was in New York and I was the young guy. I was older than him, but I was young in comedy. Yeah. And he was come home. He used to see me in the open mics and everything. And um, he used to always tell me. I think he was just bullshit. He'd be like, "Yo, yo, youngin, you gotta come to New York." I think he was just showing off. He was like, "Come yeah. to New York. It's up in the come to New York. We can get it popping in New York." And I used to be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come." Right. He used to always say, "Come to New York." And then um, I got fired, fired from my job. Found out one of my relatives was cooking crack in my house. <laughs> it's like, if you want to move somewhere, you can walk into your apartment and you see every pot boiling right in my <laughs> Yo, every pot was steaming. Ain't no crabs nowhere, son. I looked at that shit. I looked at that crack. I was like, I'm moving. <laughs> right? And I remember I told a car, bro, yeah. I said, I think I'm going to move to New York. He said, when? I said, Friday. <laughs> And I was only maybe a year and a half out of the military, so I still had my Air Force duffel bag. I put all a little bit of shit I had in my duffel bag, had an alarm clock, and like $35. And um, uh, But I had unemployment coming. I made sure I got fired from my job. Yeah. What, we, what were we talking about you working at? I was head of security for a grocery store. I know it's the craziest shit ever. <laughs> it was like I was in charge of like five stores that employed rental cops, and I trained them because I was a cop in the military. Yeah. So I... I, I, I I, I I went up there and I I was living on his couch, you know. Royals. Yeah, he took me, he took me in. He had a um, brownstone, upper level apartment, one bedroom. I had the couch, and then the people that were living downstairs moved out. Then we moved down there, and um, he was my trans my transition, um, when I went to New York. And one thing I said about him, like, he taught me a lot, like. When I used to do the Boston Comedy Club, you know, we, we used to catch trains and shit. He would, like, you know, you do $20 spot, $30 spot. And me, I get that $20 spot. I want to get back on the train. Yeah. So I got like 18 bucks. That motherfucker used to leave the city in a yellow cab every night after making 20 bucks. Cab ride was $12. Really? Right? He was like, he's like, man, just because we broke, we ain't got to live like that. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> yeah. like, but he always put himself in a place where, doing better people perceive you doing better and you get different opportunities and when once he was kind of showing me the ways in new york he kind of blew up and moved to la and left me fucking in brooklyn 
And then who is your who who are your guys at then? What? Like when you when he left because I remember when he <laughs> left he was I mean, he was fantastic. He was. Yeah. <clears throat> there was a lot of guys that I, that were just really amazing comics that you worked with back then. That but he was getting like you know in his business you can get a certain amount of success. You can get success as a as a touring comic, television, yeah. whatever. So, but from where we came from, like he was of the Def Jam era. The yeah. good thing about the Def Jam era was like. It was celebrated in the African American community, but like in, in white white culture, they didn't really fuck with it. They would, oh, we well, we did. I was no, they was school. like they would. As soon as you mm. say, you'd say, "Motherfucker!" Oh, he's one of those Def Jam acts. But we just we just um, had a different energy. But Royale, he got a deal quick. He probably Gorgeous. was two years. Yeah, he was in um, NBC. It was a show. It was built on his life. It was called Built to Last, and it's about his life. His father's a construction worker, if I'm not mistaken. Raising 11 kids. The show is called Built to Last, right? So, but I, my advice to anybody that's getting an opportunity to get their own show, really think of the name you're going to call it because you got to make it roast proof. Because Built, Built to last, last, yo, the critics, they didn't even, they, yo, and I love Roy, I'm sorry. Yo, one of the critics, it was so Ari-ish. So it was so me brand. He said, he said, what did critics say? Uh, what, what did critics say? Built to last, won't. <laughs> I was like, that's the end. Mic drop. Kobe Bryant. Yo, I was like, come on. But <clears throat> he had opportunities. A lot fairer than a lot of people. And then things were going well for him as a stand-up. But he saw, he did the white route. He was like, and I, Method Man had a he quote. He like produ- ended up producing. That's the thing. Method, Method Man had a quote I heard him say. Method Man, this is Tomo guy, one of the best members of Wu-Tang. So dope. One of my, fa- one of my favorite rappers yeah. ever. He, uh, he said, I'm tired of being the chump in the front. I want to be the Mac in the back. And for black, it might, it might not just particular to black, but like so many people in this field black, they want to be stars. Yeah. They want the glamour. They wanted, oh shit. And Method Man was that for the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, but like, also he, he was the one. That, he was the one that talked the most, that yeah. was out in front the most. Got the most pussy. Yeah, it was like shit. everything. He had his- No disrespect, Raekwon. He probably had the biggest single off of that first out. Like He was sort of like, if you look at it like, he was like the Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody is equally talented. But it's usually one person that has Everything has the look, has the swag, has everything. He, he, he had it. Dude, he, you know, he, he was in. He, I was just telling Tommy Lee this yesterday. There was two things I remember. There used to be a, a show called uh, Real Life or on MTV or Twenty Four Seven or something like that. Uh-huh. <clears throat> One was Tommy Lee driving from Malibu to Hollywood for an anger management class, uh-huh. and in the whole drive there, just getting worse and worse. And going like this. He's is getting not, angry, going yeah, to anger going to, Yeah. And the other one was Method Man. They, he was on the road. He was on his tour bus. And some girl came out and gave him a hug and tried to kiss him on the mouth. And he fucking went. He goes, <laughs> hey, beater. you're disrespecting my wife. Like, if you're a fan of mine, you should be a fan of my family. And you're disrespecting my family. Like, I can't have you here. And he kind of, like, pushed Wish her off to the side. And I went, whoa. Like, but, but Method Man and Red Man, they some evil motherfuckers, too. Yeah. They're not evil. I mean, in a funny way. Like, all of motherfuckers think they're comedians. I remember when they had the movie How High. Oh, yeah. Right? And um, I was just starting to act or whatever, and they wanted me to do the table read. And they wanted me to play Method Man in the table read, right? 
to tell you, Method Man and Red Man, they weren't there. They were just, it was all the money people yeah. that was there. And it was on speaker or whatever. They just wanted, everybody wanted to hear the, the flow of the script and everything. And I was such a Method Man fan. I was reading his part. I didn't, yo, I was reading it like I was rapping. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm going to go to the store. You're going to meet me over there. Uh, I'm going to get the uh, cigarettes pop. This is on regular dialogue. Like, mama, I didn't mean to get that girl pregnant, but she let me be on her. I was doing it the whole time. And I thought I was killing it, right? And at the end of it, Red Man said, yo, who the fuck was doing meth? That was the wackest shit I ever heard in my goddamn life. <laughs> and I was like, these motherfuckers are assholes. But all of the motherfuckers think they're funny. Oh, all yeah, of them. I bet. Well, I think Method Man and Red Man had this, like, they had this Abbott and Costello. Like, they, I think they could have been even bigger than they were. But I, I, I don't know. I always wondered what happened. Like, say they had their sitcom and then they just Yeah, but what stopped. it is is, like, people get older. You know what I'm saying? That I understand what you're saying with the with the like the comedy duel, but then like how many opportunities are people gonna give you really? to let that grow? How many how many how how movies are they gonna give you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How many cause they would think about it like like they were kind of pioneers of like the whole rapper translates into the movie theater. But then you get older, you get mature, uh some of the Slapstickish stuff that was down then it just it don't fit. It could be it's a, real, they were real crossovers, meaning like yeah. Tupac was a great actor rapper, but they were crossovers and like yeah, and like I, I would, that would be fast. But they like characters though. Yeah. They're like what I like. I think Wu Tang would go down as being the Grateful Dead of hip hop. <laughs> That's a great. You know, hip hop yeah. is hip hop is so mean to their artists because I'd say they fish if you knew what that was but yeah I know fish um, fucks with the Grateful Dead they always do shows together <laughs> yo fish fucks with the Grateful Dead <laughs> I know I heard them names of devils son yo fish fuck okay yeah I know this yeah, on the yeah, same yeah, fishy yeah, yeah, shit yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking about I ain't making that argument alright fish is what the second Grateful Dead motherfucker you happy <laughs> what is it Wu-Tang Dipset Wu-Tang Dipset you know what I'm saying TDE uh, you know, but like uh, hip hop, man, they don't let you get. But Wu Tang, man, Wu Tang, man, you go to a Wu Tang concert, it's more white chicks there than anything. Oh, I bet they were just playing a fucking theater I played at Wu Tang, and I was like, I, and then and yeah, same size, and I go, uh, it's not gonna be all of them, is it? And they go, no, it's every single all fucking one of them. But you know how hard it is to get all Wu's together. God, I can't imagine. Can you imagine the writer? Which Wu do you want? You're like I don't want. Oh. I want Eminem's. Shaped in the woo sign, but we man, uh, RZA is such a genius yeah. with that group, and like that brand will be engraved in culture forever. Forever, I remember. I remember when we first started. Wu Tang is for the kids. Like it's like it's something about when you see somebody with a woo shirt, it feels like like you know them. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like oh woo woo because they were un they were underground for so long. I think I watched that Showtime documentary. I guess it was like more like a self-imposed underground. Right. But um, but yeah, man. I I remember I I used to work Safe Escort where I had to drive girls or walk sometimes. Safe Escort. That's what they called it. Yeah. You. Yeah, I know, right? Wait a minute. <laughs> my buddy got me the my buddy Wait, cheese. Yo, my buddy cheese know. was the that's got white me the power job. like a motherfucker. I cannot if. You do, if you did a lineup right now and had jobs, right? <laughs> who would be most likely to be safe? Safe 
escort, you would get zero bro oh, votes. My buddy Cheese was the uh, supervisor, and he got me a job. Cheese was black? No, Cheese was white. Okay. Very white. Not the bus driver, Cheese. No. And so, <laughs> but Cheese, my supervisor. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So, uh, and so on Saturdays, Fridays and Saturday nights, uh, they they thinned out because no one had school that night. They thinned out the staff, and it was just two of us. One would be in the office, and one would be in a car. And uh, and I think on Sunday nights, it was just one of us. Just one of us would get the answer and drive in the car. The thing about the black chicks is they always wanted the car. They never wanted to walk, and they always wanted to ride to FAMU. And so, the what? FAMU. Oh, the other is, school. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there was one hall that was all black chicks. And if you got a call, they'd be like, yo, we have a call at Devaney Hall. And you'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> What's her name? Right. And they're like uh, licorice. And you're like, motherfucker. Hennessy. And so you go, you go, it's just one. They go, yes, yeah, she says she wants to go to the library. Right. So you pull up, right? And you see her and she waves to you. And then she get in the car and go, get in. Oh, and, and everybody they just runs the bum shit. rush you. <laughs> and then once they'd all get in, they'd be like, come on, do, we're going to we're going to FAMU. Take us to FAMU. They, they probably say, come on, white boy. Don't yeah. be a white oh, boy right now. Dude, you would get. I know they called you all type of white boys. Oh, Peckerwood. Try, yeah. Take it oh, up yeah. here. It was, it was everything you ever get. But the one thing that they, I would always, I was, I was always cool about was I loved hip hop, and so we'd always a lot. It was all the same girls. I drove a lot of the same girls. Right. This girl Vanilla, I drove her uh, a ton of. Vanilla time. was black. Vanilla was black. Yeah. Damn, I went we to, come up with these? We name out some black people. Forty-seven years old right after now. After seasonings, whatever. That's <laughs> paprika, lemon and pepper. I don't give a yeah. fuck. So and so, I remember being in a car taking a bunch of girls to. Because I didn't have a problem. We didn't have a lot of work, and it was fun for me right. to be in a car with a bunch of girls. And I remember saying, they said, what, what hip hop? Uh, being in a car with a bunch of black girls proving that you're not gay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why are these black people? Because I'm letting Patrice Man, know they I'm were not gay. Brutal. They were brutal to me. I remember one I remember one time one girl goes, you smell like a wet dog. And they just lost it. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. You know what? It's so funny. I've heard that black yeah. people say that about they smell like wet dog. And I've been with some white chicks. None, none of them smell like a wet dog. Not white chicks. I think white dudes might. So like a wet dog? I guess. I don't know. We feel like dolphins, too. Let's go wet your dog. And let me sniff you <laughs> your dog and be like, see if like, yep, that's right. <laughs> you do smell like wet dog. <laughs> we took, I was taking these girls to a FAMU party. It was probably like eight girls in the car. Huh? And they're asking me who I like, what music I liked. And I said, uh, I was a big Outkast <laughs> fan. Like, I was always Outcast? a big. A bi- oh, I was man. Because it, that was, I, I learned at one point. That first they album make was music, They make music. Or the location of how you listen to the music. Right. So like Wu Tang Clan was all about headsets and like because you were in New York listening to it very so, lyrical. Outcast for like car, right? Outcast yeah. was like get in your car, drive around. Yeah. Miami was all about bass because that's what you do. Right. And so uh, I said Outcast, and the one girl was like, "It's like oh, I'm from I'm from Staten Island. You know who Wu Tang Clan is?" And I was like, "No." She's and they just, oh shit! You say you like hip hop, you don't know how Wu-Tang? the fuck you don't. Yeah. I said I go okay. Tell me one d- CD to buy right now. And they're like, get Method Man to Cal right now, right. tomorrow. So I went and got Method Man. And I got to be honest with you, it was like listening to a a, a, a movie in a different language. That, I, But that's one of the things that's so, that was so dope about that group. They were f- in the music, but um, it was like, felt cinematic. The yeah. fact that came through with the whole, like... The kung fu fighting styles, it was crazy, it, and they ingrained that in you. And still today, oh, like you can't, okay. you can't do nothing with like you're going to enter the Shaolin Temple, you're going to do something, dude. It was yeah. so crazy, and and like I remember, like I remember, you know, you could translate 
southern hip hop and into like street corners and go, oh, I know where they're talking about. This was like Tikal, and you're like, I don't even know what that meant. And I, to this day, I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck Tikal meant. I yeah. know something punk way. Like what, nigga? I mean, is that the same thing, Tikal, nigga? Not the same thing. <laughs> but um, uh, Outkast, man, when they when they first started, man, oh, and they were like the because like the southern rap groups was not getting any love up not, top. Not know, at all. Whatever. They always Orange went, Mound, you had, you had MJG and 8-Ball, Suave House, uh, fucking uh, Outkast. Goody, no, Goody Mob. I remember, dude, It's because so, we had such limited music. Like, if anyone came out, I remember, um, uh, not Killer Mike, but there was another one. Uh, it wasn't Killer Mike. It was a, this other Mike. I forget his name. But uh, you'd... They come out and you'd be like, "Oh, I'm getting every all this." Yeah, but it was a they did not get any love. But the southern one thing about it, they they were so powerful because um, when they didn't get a support from North New York, whatever, they were so ingrained into their own culture down south that it was like, "We don't need y'all." Yeah, and eventually people got you know got you know got they caught on to it. But it was used to be them country dudes. They was afraid because they had like the accents, or whatever. They was afraid to even do radio. Be like, oh, they gonna make fun of us. But now them country motherfuckers are on. You don't know what they saying. Now they like, Dude. I told my dad, man, why that what? They be like, oh <laughs> shit, that's the shit. What do you say? I don't know. Takal. Takal's an acronym. What's it? Sample. Taking into consideration all lives. <laughs> I, you know what? You know what? The beauty of uh, the internet and Google. I don't think. Anybody would ever figure that out? <laughs> Never. <laughs> no, he said it on Deezus and Miro a couple years ago. Apparently, that's what. Okay. From. Oh yeah, dude. How many? How many? Like, uh, how many hip hop guys have you met backstage where you lost your shit? I don't really lose my shit when I see them. For real? Because uh, well, re- maybe I wonder if that is the reason. The, it hasn't been a hip hop. The reason why is because I know this may sound crazy. When they see me, they lose their shit. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm mean, saying? You've been, it's on, like, you've, been, you've been famous for 20 years. Oh, I've been dibbling, dabbling yeah, with it. Yeah, but like the, 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 uh, the corner, uh, yeah. Chappelle show is one but of the But the corner biggest. didn't give me no fame or I remember when so, that was on. I remember. Yeah, it was popping. Yeah. I was I was having to be a, a part a part of that, the corner and the wire. But it was just like, um, like, like. God damn! When that weed hit and you just lose your thought, yeah. what was I saying before? I'm sorry. Uh, the about you don't lose your shit when they see you. Sometimes they oh yeah, lose when your I shit. like it's yeah. like even when um every when, single one when of them. RZA, when RZA pulled up that day when at Joe Rogan, he cut out the car. I was like, oh that's the RZA, and he said to me, "What's up, Ashley Larry? You funny motherfucker." Yeah, you know what I'm saying they like it's so like it's weird because I'm like, yo man, I remember I was listening to you like I met Scarface. Oh, you went through, you meant, went wait, you went through in and out with Scarface on your oh, phone yeah, one time. Yeah, Dude, you I'm a big shit. fucking Scarface. Yo, let me the fix you. is one of my favorite. That reminds me. The, the of, double double. I told him to say the double double with yeah. Scarface. But it was so funny because I was in Houston performing and it was a show, and it wasn't like it wasn't a sellout show, it was like audience. And 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 I'm looking, I'm just I'm looking, and I'm like, look at this old Scarface looking motherfucker. Somebody said, that is Scarface. I said, um, I said, say some Scarface shit, nigga, right? <laughs> and I think he just said Woody or something, but I was like, for me, yeah. especially DC, <clears throat> DC loves Scarface. Yeah. DC, I grew up, we had go-go music, right? We didn't fuck with rap. We fuck with go-go music. And Scarface, Ghetto Boys were one of the first groups that would perform with a go-go band. Yeah. Because like- What's go-go? Go-go is like, 
it's like funk. It's like African beat. It's heavy with percussions. It's heavy with um, with horns. It's like if you, I would say, uh, what thing you would be uh, close to? Maybe uh, like a Jamaican vibe, somewhat of a Fela Kuti vibe. It's just like a beat. It's a beat. I'll pull some up. I'll pull some go-go music up. But that's what, that was, it's so ingrained in the D.C. culture, you know? And uh, D.C. culture is so different than the rest of, the world. of black culture. But like Scarface, DC is Scarface used to, um, used to uh, come to D.C. And I remember before I started doing comedy, the best day I would, the best time was when a new Scarface uh, cassette came out. If I had a Scarface cassette, 22 ounces of beer, a 22, a 22 we call it a deuce deuce, and 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 if I had a dime bag of weed, it was nothing else I needed in life. <laughs> and then when I first when I when I met Scarface and we became friends, I'm just like everything is like I'm gonna be on some ghetto boy shit. You know what I'm saying? Fuck the system and all that. Yeah. I think we gangster as shit, right? So we was going from we was in Vegas, we was traveling somewhere, we we're in the car and we kicking it, right? And I'm in the back seat, and um, I'm like this, I'm with the ghetto boys, nigga. I can do whatever. And I rolled up a joint. And I hit the joint, man. Scarface like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I thought this week Halloween came on the weekend. Like we ghetto boys or what? This motherfucker was so nervous. He's like, pull over. I ain't going to jail. Fucking with you, nigga. And oh, he made me drop him off at a fucking nail shop. <laughs> and the dude got a pedicure. Say, for real? I was like, this. This is not the ghetto boy <laughs> that I thought. But we've made this like. We've made like eight years. We've been cool with each other. If, I, um, if ever I need something from him, he'd call me or vice versa. He's had me in some studio sessions with him just dropping shit with Scarface. That's something me, you guys you guys get that we don't get. What's like, that? Dude, my, I mean, one of my dreams is to be in the studio, just to be in the background. Like when, like uh, the best one, one of the best ones ever is Chappelle on T.I. Right. Chappelle's opening to T.I.'s thing, but- to hear him hanging out with him, like and talking, like that—that that is the coolest, like crossover blend of art Man, ever. The best we did uh, a residency, two residencies at Radio City Music Hall. Yeah, and bruh, when I tell you working with Dave, like the people that come out, the love, and that dude is like a party animal, and not on no chasing bitches and nothing like that just like to be out celebrating his friends yeah having a good time it's nothing for us to find a speakeasy and just be talking about shit till like five or six o'clock in the morning and that's one of the things i enjoyed about this last week i was with Chappelle, and fucking i'm hanging out with Chappelle, um michelle wolf and bill murray i saw that in south carolina come on son and i got bill murray doing the wu-tang sign son (laughs) i'm like like how the fuck did that even happen because Bill Murray lives in South Carolina. And and did he find out? That, was it just random or did... It's South Carolina, bro. If anything, you know, if Chappelle comes to any city, everybody's going to know about it. Yeah. You take South Carolina, of course he's going to know about it. That was the second time because we did that same venue, I think a year and a half before that, and he came out again. Jesus. He came out the first time he came out. And it just like, I'm like, yo, chow, like, lighten up, Francis. You know what I'm saying? I'm like... Yeah. Like, that's when I really... Appreciate what I do and the places it's taking me. Like even my relationship with Dave, everybody's always like, "Oh, he's uh he's uh, Dave Chappelle's flunky. He's his sidekick." Blah blah. This and that. No, no. to anybody, 
I've been beast in stages for years. It's just so happened that one of my closest friends is probably one of the greatest comedians to ever do it. Yeah. What can I do about that? Did nothing. There's nothing. 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 And D- Dave, and the funny thing about it, David tell you straight up that I'm one of the funniest motherfuckers he know. There's a reason you have he's with you. You're yeah. you tour with him. He There's told not- me that he told me that the other day we did a show. He was like, man, he just said, man, Donnell, you're a great comedian. You're one of the dude, you're one he of said, the he funniest said, human beings alive. You're like, you're like uh human Prozac. Cause the your energy, the way you approach subjects, like I remember there was a there was a subject that that not everyone was talking about. And it, and you and it, I don't, I don't want to talk about it because it's one of those hot buttons during the right. Me Too thing. Uh-huh. And you you saw and and you were like you went right at it, but you went at it from a different angle. Right. And I was like, of like, and then you made it personal. And I was like, God damn it, man! Like I wouldn't have I, like. And you know, when we talk about people pushing the edge and knowing the boundaries, you do that, man. I have you've made me laugh harder than any <laughs> fucking human being. I talk about this. I've talked about this a million times <laughs> when Kyle Cease walked up and we were doing that <laughs> and he had reality a hat, bites back and he had made hats that said week one, week two, week three. And you said he had already played. He had his branding down. Dude. You know, we was like, fu- we wasn't fucking with him. sir. <laughs> we just felt like, yo, yo, this dude really got a strategy. Yeah. We just was happy. We was on TV. So we didn't give a, we you didn't give a fuck Red. about winning. Yeah. T.O. Vaughn, <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. We were sitting on the steps and he walked up and he had a hat, a blue and white hat that said week one on it. You're right. You said, you're right. You are the week one, son. <laughs> and I was crying. And Red and I were laughing fucking so hard. And then didn't he get eliminated like the next the week? The first week. Yo, <laughs> I, we were like, this, where are you going to sell those hats now? <laughs> Yo, that and I think I suggested that we should have all like just wore different weeks as the weeks progressed or whatever. But he had a strategy. He was like, oh. he was like, I must at any cost, I have to win this. But that, that was, was fun. But th- that's when I say, like, you're not. There's first of all, there's nothing to be ashamed about touring with the greatest comedian that maybe has ever done comedy right. and being around him. And, and like, you look at the names that drop everything they have to go be with him. You, Neil. Uh, Michelle, right. fucking uh, Aziz, like Mo. I, a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe like three weeks ago, we were doing John Stewart. We were going somewhere. We were going to, we were flying somewhere, and I met Dave in Yellow Spring because he always flies private and shit. I don't give a fuck. It's about that private shit. I could be all across the country, right? I'll fly there just so just I can get fly private. Just so I can get thirty minutes of Instagram life. <laughs> Work hard, play hard. Y'all know what it is. You know, choose your friends wisely. Let's get this money. You know what I'm saying? You deserve it. Go hard and go home. Give me all my hashtags in a thirty minute flight. Uh, right. So I was at Yellow Springs, and I was checking my hotel. It's a small town, and uh. He was like, yo, uh, where you at? I said, I'm at the hotel. I saw him. I saw him across the street. He was like, I'm over here, Chris and him, um, and, and C over here. And I wasn't even thinking anything. I walk over. It's Chris Rock and Louis C.K. And I first said to myself, I said to myself, what the Yellow fuck Springs? is? Yo, I'm like, what the fuck is about to happen? Like, you see yeah. that combination of minds, you're like, something's going to happen. What it was was uh, Chris flew in to check out Louis C.K.'s new hour. He was performing at the Funny Bone in Dayton, Ohio. So we went there, and uh, when I tell you, people are like, what is Louis C.K. going to do? What is he going to do next? What people understand is that Louis C.K. been rich for a long time. It's yeah. probably nothing he wants to do with money. Yeah. 
the idea of money. You know what I'm saying? You make a certain, it's like, uh, bigger, better, bigger house, whatever. I was like, well, he's going to do what he loves to do, and he never stopped doing. Stand up. Yeah. If we lucky enough to build our name enough where we can do TV and everything, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, for a comedian, I think the ultimate is to be able to make a good living off of your fucking name. Mid-roll reads. Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by Fiverr. Let's talk about finding the right freelance talent for your project and or business, which I am doing all the time. I know that finding the right freelancer can be time-consuming, frustrating, and outright expensive. Where do you go to find the talent? How much is it going to cost? How are you going to be certain that they can deliver? Well, thanks to Fiverr, finding the right freelancer doesn't have to be a struggler. Struggle. I've been looking for a copywriter, or not a copywriter, a graphic designer nonstop. And so sometimes I will just throw it out there on social media. Hey, I'm looking for a guy to do this. You get back the artwork, you like it, and as soon as you like it, they know they got you on the line, and they go, uh, it's $1,500. And you're like, God Never mind. And the guy's like, how about? And you're like, no, I thought we were going to, I should have just gone to Fiverr. Fiverr's marketplace helps you get more done with less. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and much more. Find what you're looking for instantly. You can search by the service, the deadline, the price, read reviews, and more. You'll know exactly what you're paying for upfront. No negotiating needed. 24-hour customer service, and quality talent that you can count on. Sellers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world. Finding the talent for your project has never been easier. Review sellers' ratings, buyer feedback, and select the right freelancer based on your budget. That is the key right there. Take five and check out Fiverr and get 10% off your first order by using my code BERTCAST. It's so easy. Don't waste any more time. And get the service you deserve by going to Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R dot com. Use the promo code BERTCAST, Fiverr. It starts here. People will go see yeah. Louis C.K. forever. It's, it's, some people like, oh, it's disgusting. You can say whatever. But what I saw on this set, bro, man, this shit is fire. Really? It's so good. It's so true. It's so honest. It's so comedy. You know what I'm saying? It's so, not like fuck you or anything, but like, guess what? The same thing I said earlier, them limits to lemonades. Yeah. The best comedian, bro, you know, the darkest it get, the craziest it get, it's going to make you dig deeper to find that shit. And he does it, bro. He does it. Some of it is cringy. I didn't even know what that word was until these Joe Rogan fans. So, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what cringe. I was like, cringe is like the N-word. You just cringe me, cringe or hater. You know, but... <laughs> It was just, it was, it was so dope to see a comic uh, work out at that level with the circumstances of people being critical, passing judgment, and everything. It's like, I, it's like a, it's it's a microphone job show. Ah uh, man, I and wish. anytime you, and you got uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock over here looking like. This is fire. He bodied it, man. Oh man. I don't know what platform he's gonna use to get it out or whatever, but it's gonna be a it's, it's gonna, gonna be gonna... dicey, I'm sure. I but, mean, I can't imagine there's gonna be a, I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe people see the material and be like, this is what comedy is, is you go through drama. You know, maybe that'll maybe that's what'll happen to Ari is he'll go through this dark spot, you know, 
and come out and write a special called uh, "I Could Have Had a Career." But, but the thing, but the thing is about the, I, but I, I, I tried to ruin it myself. See, you like it's a tough thing, and it's funny you say that. But I don't know too much of Ari, but I don't know of have you, him. Have you ever met him? I think I, we, I, we, we, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but not no. I don't talk to too many people. Just period. Yeah. But you know, to make certain comebacks, you got to be of a level of writing, performing, everything. I don't know of Ari being a fucking person that was just wrecking shop. Louis C.K. was definitely... Wrecker. The, the thing about Louis is when that all happened to Louis, all of us were like, I can't wait to hear his insights on this. Right, for sure. You know it. Yeah. The only real real, real comics, you know it's like this, oh shit. Because that's how, th th as much as people enjoy what we do, it's therapeutic for us. It's the same with a Chappelle. A, 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 real, a real comic... A real comic, you let them be away from stage for two or three weeks. They start like, I want to get away from my family. God, I want to get away from my kids. We built for this day. Chappelle, this motherfucker, when I rode with him, he'd do it, that hat trick at the improv. It's like, I got to go on stage. Those are the ones that, those are the people that can rebound from certain things. Yeah. Those are the people that could uh, go to Africa, leave $50 million and come back and kill it. I remember one time Dave told me a story. He said, man, shit, when I left, Chappelle show, he said, I was broke. I only had $4 million in the bank. <laughs> I was like, your broke level is a whole different. When I say broke, nigga, I mean that savings account yeah. is lit in my pocket, but he was like, I only had like $4 million. It's funny so, because they, I get shit from my friends. They go, so you like go out after the shows and hang out? And I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. I go, and then I, and then I saw you guys and I go, Chappelle was standing on a bar fucking, oh, having, yeah. yeah, like in South Carolina, like, why wouldn't why why is it like that I look like like I'm like, oh, I'm going out with the fans, I'm gonna go party tonight. But, but Chappelle does it every fucking night. I mean, but you know what? It's just like what we do we, makes people feel good. Man, I, I, I believe So if we create that, why not bask in it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I know sometimes you feel like, okay, let me just go to my room. But sometimes you just wanna be out because like when we touch, we we go out. We make people feel good, dude. You know they want to touch. They want to just be that and going to a bar need. and seeing Bill Murray and Dave Chappelle at a bar. I know it was like people was like, but you get the it was some no fucking way. <laughs> There's a lot of that. No fucking way. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> You know it's gonna be a couple of them sitting there. Yo, what's up with Dave? Dave Chappelle's gone. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> Donnell Ashley. You know what? Oh. You know what Ari should do? He should go on cameo now, son. He should do cameos. He should do cameos. <laughs> Yo, oh. he should do cameos and like oh. you want to wish death on somebody like Andre Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Ari's about to make a million dollars doing cameos. cameos. Yo, give me that death cameo, motherfucker. <laughs> Tupac Shakur. <laughs> Already gone. Can't monetize that. Yo, yo, Ari, oh. if you listening. That's the next thing, bro. Go uh, cameo on these motherfuckers. Go man. cameo. Oh, that's fucking Kobe Bryant. <laughs> it's so fucking wrong, but uh, it's so. Yo, man. Our job 
is to make people feel good yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. You got to shock motherfuckers, and those are cool people to like whatever, but it's nothing like, I'm going to tell you, when our job is the most important, it's not when people want to laugh, it's when people need to laugh. Yeah. That is when our job is the toughest, Bert. Even when, when, when my podcast, right, uh, when the Kobe shit cracked, the night before, I was with Dave, late night, late like I'm already fucking drained. Yeah. I'm already beat. And then the Kobe shit, I'm like, I'm like, fuck. I'm like, people, you so used to me being fucking funny, man. But there's nothing that feels funny in my bone, in my body right now. Nothing feels funny. I say, but I, we, we got to snap out of it. Because when we don't feel funny, we're unemployed. Yeah. We, we, we're done. One, two, three, four bad sets in a row. What the fuck happened to Bert? He lost it. You know what I'm saying? So we have to maintain a certain energy. And when I did that podcast, it's the Tears of the Clown, it was one of my favorite podcasts because people got to see another side of me. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to bash Ari, but what I was trying to explain to him, was explain to anybody, not just him, any comic, like there's a way you can do anything. You know what I'm saying? Have some class with it. Like even with that, as dark as the subject matter was I was talking about, I still, I wasn't even looking for the comedy. Yeah. It came there. It'll show up. And that's what, when you know, you've had you've had nights where you had a show and somebody come up to you and they start off like this. Uh, it's hard to make me laugh. And you like this, here we go with the bullshit. <laughs> you know, you're like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I know what you're about to say, but you, it's hard to make me laugh. And um, uh, I just lost my aunt Dude. a week ago. And I didn't want to come out. I didn't want to come out, but I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Cause you let me, you took me away from that, dude. And that's, I think that's what our job should represent. Our my our neighbor uh, Jeannie Turbo lost her dad. This is probably got to be like three years ago now, like two years ago. And I I don't know. I got I got lost in like comedy of like what is comedy? Comedy's just doing about doing the road and making money, trying to sell tickets. I don't know where I was, but I I did a show out at Flappers, and they heard a bunch. My wife and a bunch of friends came out to see it. And she came up to me the next day and she goes, uh, you know, I haven't laughed since my dad passed. And like, I've been, I've been really obsessing about it and thinking about it and down in the dumps. Last night was the first time that I forgot about it and just laughed. And I, it, I can't tell you how powerful that was. And I was floored. I was like, oh, I forgot that we, there are also people that need to laugh. 100. But see, now, see, you've been, you got a heart. You know what I'm saying? Now, if that was somebody else in their and, and, it, and it came in to say, I just lost my dad. They'd be like, dad is gone. <laughs> you doing I know Ari's there's some good fucking stories voice is so fucking funny. That might be the funniest <laughs> fucking, the impression of him. Because that was such a weird yo, way. That, oh. Yo, it was like the warm up fucked me up. So I had like. Then he made sure he had the right shit in the background. I the was only like, thing that would have been funnier is if someone... Had been walking behind him and heard what he said, and then like, wait, and what punch him in his motherfucking mouth. That'd have been funny as shit, dude. You're in a basketball arena, and that's another thing, man. Now you got to fucking. Not only you got to deal with fucking hecklers at your show, you got to deal with somebody that's a real diehard fan that don't. I heard motherfuckers like this. I'll do the twenty years. I heard. I heard the Crips had a had a hit out on him. Yeah, that's what I heard. Oh Someone yeah, I mean, there is no way. Uh, he's on any market. He's in L.A. for a while. He's not going to be. He's going to be Nancy Scott. 
Nancy Scott. Scott is always that one person on the, on the list at the comedy store. You're like, who the fuck is Nancy oh, yeah. Scott? You know what I'm talking yeah, about, right? Yeah. I'm like this. I'm like, who the fuck's Nancy yo, Scott? Yo, I never yo, heard I her. I remember one time I looked at the list. I was like, oh shit, oh bangers, bangers, Nancy Scott. I'm like, who the <laughs> fuck is Nancy Scott? But you know who Nancy Scott is. I think everybody knows who Nancy Scott is. That's fucking yep. hilarious. Yeah, he's not going to be coming to LA for a while. I don't think. Um, nah, it's just, man, shit, man. We live, oh man, it's just. It's just unfortunate, man. It's just unfortunate. But you know, you want to, you want to. Did you see? Did you see his tweet? Were you with Dave when you saw his tweet? No. Oh. Nope. I was um coming. I just left Dave. I was in the airport. I everything happened for me on the way from the airport to going home. Oh really? Yep. Everything happened for me, and I was like, and it was just like, and I ain't one to go bash a comic. It just just fucked with me so bad. Yeah, I don't. I, I, you know, obviously, I've been friends with Ari for twenty years. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think. I think it'll be an uphill battle, uh, you know, to get through this a little bit. I think, but I think you'd be shocked. Uh, you know, I, I, I think people have made. I think things have been bigger, and people got through them easier, or you know, at times. I don't so, count anybody out. I don't count. No, I don't. Definitely don't count them out. But I, I, I think he's wise and just kind of sitting back in the cut and just letting it kind of blow over. And but then, like right now, like. Like this is like, you don't have to have it. You got this. Got to be something that's a transition from how people feel about you or how you, how they how you want them to feel. You know what I mean? It's like you have to address it, and then it's going to be even tougher should. now because now you're writing whatever. Now you got to come. You got to come hard. You put He's, a lot of pressure on yourself. I think he should. I think he should. You know what's really bum, bums me out is that the special he was working on. Let was, me hit that joint, son. Was really fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, really funny. And I think he should shelve that and do a special where he talks about all the times. I mean, this isn't the first time he's tried to sabotage his career. Like this is like the fifth. This isn't the first. Drugging me is not even the top of the list. Dr when drugging your friend in so front he of his do a children. Impression of himself. Yep, my career should have been gone a long time ago. <laughs> He should go. He Twenty three years ago, y'all been putting up with this shit. He should do an hour special. Not Is that now, the ashtray? but no, it's just a wait. Um, Where the ashtray, son? I don't know. We, do you have an ashtray? There should be one right up there. Um, he should do a special where he talks about all the shit he's gotten into and all the shit he's done. Like he mean threw a cup of piss on someone's face. Like he's done. But it's gonna be so much boy. It's gonna. That's a tough one, bro. It's gonna be. He got to find. It's like some independent shit. I don't know what he's gonna do, but. It'll be interesting. I told I I I told Tom and I said he should just get a fucking computer, go somewhere where they don't like basketball, and write a book. Bro, I know you got it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, son. What I said is the real shit, son. Cameo, son. Cameo is not cameo. A bad idea. Yo, cameo, yo. Who's got it worse right now? Ari Shafir or Takashi Six Nine? <laughs> oh, Takashi is all right right now. To the come. No, um, uh, Ari. Yeah, Ari. <laughs> Yeah, yo, Ari, yo, Takashi, because see, Takashi, six nine. Mark my word, when he's released, he's gonna be the highest paid hip hop artist in the no business. No way. I said it here. He's going to break all type of streaming records and everything because the people don't understand is like the streets. Are fucked up with him, but the streets aren't the ones that the real gangs, gangster dudes. They not streaming shit. The reason why I say that because he's a troll. 
And those kids like that. They like that engagement. Yeah. And then, like, the, the narrative has been set, like, what would you do? He was fucking his baby mom and everything. So people already made an excuse for him. They already made an excuse, like, fuck that. Oh, wait, I the guys he snitched on was fucking his baby's mom? That's one of the rumors. Oh, yeah, shit. that's one of the rumors. I don't, I can't say that for sure, but yeah. that was one of the rumors. They was plotting against him. It's a lot of stuff. But the people that just the people that support Takashi Six Nines ain't real niggas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They not gangbangers. Yeah. So the people buying his records are not No. As, like so what no, the people that are fascinated with him, but majority of those people, they're just they fascinated with the troll. They're fascinated with the social media aspect of it. They're fascinated with his story. They're going to follow. They want to hear. They want to hear him talk shit. Yeah. Go, I'm telling you, watch what I say. He's going to have a deal. He's got, he's still young. You know what I'm saying? If, if anything, if he's doing right now, he's writing his future. Well, he's I, when his you future. think about it, when you think about it, who Ari alienated is not whoever was going to go see him do stand up. Right. Who That's liked, what I said. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like the people that know, like, like what I said was, he's not going to get no new fans. Yeah. But it's old fans. It's the motherfucking it's Trump, Trumpies. Trump. It's like, did he going to ignite the motherfuckers? Hey, is Trump still president? He did What's not get count? impeached. Are you serious? Told you. I knew it. Trump got acquitted? For real? Shut up. Man. So it's over? So Shut it's the fuck up. Oh, let me <laughs> so see that joint. Let me so, see that joint. So, 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 so is this election. Man, they can't fuck with him. They ain't got no answer. That's like a motherfucker. You know the hood that can fight. You know, you don't want to fight him. You don't got no answer for him. Jesus you know? Christ. There's no answer for him. There's no answer for him. It's That's... so fucking, it's so interesting now. Like, I don't like to watch. I'm sick of CNN and Fox. But you want to have oh, an entertaining dude. day? Just when the, new, when the story breaks, just watch the channels, each one, how they report it. Oh. It's always, CNN is always like, CNN always looks sad. Like, yeah. <laughs> and Fox always looks like Kobe Bryant. <laughs> You can't, you can't do that. Yo, anymore. yes, yeah. I, I need that yo, audio yo. isolated. I need that audio isolated so I can put it as Ari's ringtone. Yo, yo. And if you guys want that yeah. audio, I'm gonna tell you what. <laughs> We're gonna we'll put it up on on the ring store so you can get that for Ari's I'm, ringtone. Yo, I'm telling you, he gonna do cameos, man. He oh. gonna do cameos. But I'm glad you said earlier that the last, the, no other last. I'm on on my podcast, the tenth episode. The last one for me, Tears of a Clown, I, like I was saying earlier, I think that's the one where people finally get to know me because I've done a lot of interviews. I did The Breakfast Club. I did Sway in the Morning. Breakfast Club, I don't know what them, you got to say no homo the whole show. The whole yeah. show. It's like when I'm around you and Bobby, son. Yeah. I got to say, like, I I get, I would like to, and you like, I'll be like, no homo, no homo. And don't register, <laughs> son. You just feel like, what are you talking about, motherfucker? But that last episode, the Donnie Rollins show, uh, I think is, I feel like I got more in touch with my audience. I think they got more in touch with me. And I'm excited to see where this whole podcast world takes me, man, because I'm, I'm on it hard. You're, and you're, you're going in the right direction. What you, everything you're doing is right. Like you, there's, you've got such a young man spirit. I think I'm the same way. We're older guys, right. but we have such a young man spirit where it's like, it's still fun to pull out your phone and videotape stuff. Yeah, like you when Chappelle, you guys were trying to do that intro for the Wu Tang Clan. It was so funny that you just see, you just see two friends fucking around. Yeah, having fun. Yeah, and that's what it was. It was so funny because we talked about it. I was like, "Yo, they want us," and I came up with that. They they wanted to do some type of intro, right? 
And RZA wanted me to be at Radio City Music Hall, but I was with Dave. Yeah. And he was like, yo, if they could do something funny. It was my idea because everybody calling me the interrupter. Yeah. I was like, Dave, because trying to get Dave to do anything because he's so busy and then like, you know, like anything he does, it can make somebody money instantly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got to, even with friends and everything, you have reservations about the things that you, Let me tell you, you know something. I mean? If you, when you talk about Dave, I think of Joe. Cause yeah. like, I don't ask Joe anything. Right. I don't like, I, I never ask anything of him. I go like, I, you know, I'll hit him up on my specials about to drop and go, Hey, can I get on the podcast? Right. But for the most part, I don't like, because Joe's also so generous that if you say something like, uh, like I remember talking about a grill one time and then, uh, and then he was like, I'll just, I'll just send you one. And you're like, no, you don't have to do that. And he's right. like, well, no, I'd, I'd rather just, I know I, I have a, a connection. They have the best grills. I, I'm going to, I'm going to set you up with the guy. And then you, you, all of a sudden you're like, so you got to be careful because you, yeah. you don't ever want him to go. Okay, here Burke comes with his yeah, hand and out like, that, like, I, like I'm, I'm the same way with Dave. I don't like, I got this great idea. I got this great idea. You know, even with that said, I know RZA was, was suggested it, but I was like, I don't want to, you know, like, but I know how connected he is with it. It was just the whole thing. I was like, man, they already talking about him to interrupt I said, it would be so dope. I was like, we could do a simple. Yeah. I, I, can't, like, I can't believe he went through all the names of the fucking Wu-Tang Clan like that. I could never do that. That was the second take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We forgot one in the, so Wu members was bad. They was like, there was, that was just, there was two versions of it, right? Yeah. But um, it was like, just kind of, just kind of, because Dave was about to go to some Andrew Wang uh, event, yeah, event, yeah. Right? So I'm like this. I don't want to be the dude to be like, hey, Dave, could you do this? I said, but it meant a lot to me because it's Wu Tang at the same time. And I finally pinned him down, and I was like, we go, we gonna do it like this. You just start doing it, and uh, I'll interrupt it, and then we just come together on Method Man at the end. And it was so clean and so smooth, perfect for for us to do it from the phone and then for them to play it at Radio City Music Hall and somebody sent me the video of the reaction of it and like Dave of course Dave gonna get a huge laugh you see Dave face first yeah and then when I pop up motherfuckers like oh shit son but that's people always like like he is like one of my closest friends yeah you You know what I'm saying it's not like yeah you know, like we talk, we family vacation together, we've been to funerals together, we've been to weddings together, we cook together, you know what I'm saying? We cry together. It's like yeah. as much when people are like, oh, like that is a good motherfucker. He one of my closest friends. Yeah. I tell him that, I tell him all the time. I say, I don't take anything for granted, you know? And it is it's not even about opening for him, working with him. The dude is just a good motherfucker to know. I never I hear him say one bad thing about anybody really yeah yeah man i i've met him i only met him i didn't even meet, meet him really he just it was i was at the date and funny moment getting paid and he just came in the office you know how you're supposed to be alone when you get your check yeah and he just walked in and i didn't all i saw was the skin color and the only black people at the date and funny bone at the time were working in the kitchen and i was like what's this that's how it was when we went to go see louis ck it yeah. was me chris rock and dave was probably the only fucking it was i said it was trumpy looking the shit up of that motherfucker it was muddy boots everywhere yeah. son. i literally was like who's this, this kitchen dude just walking in the middle of me getting paid and he right. was like and then you just hear his fucking voice i said i've always said this it's hard to explain to you because i don't think you'll ever see it this way but seeing dave Chappelle as a comic in a comedy club is kind of like seeing a great white shark it is like you just go oh shit i know i, mean, I know it exists but you don't see them. You've seen sharks. And then, and then imagine like what it does to your work ethics. Like we've been touring hard probably for the last 
five, six, five years. Yeah. Hard body. And to see a motherfucker flip five sets. Oh, he's he, always had that really prolific he already on one. I yeah. Yo, you know what that do to you? You start balling your shit up. It would, because it would force you to step your game up. Because there's nothing like being on me personally, being on a road with somebody for a while and they ain't never trying to find something else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like testing themselves as, as much as we work stuff out of them clubs, when you're a real road rat, you working it out. Uh, I mean, the little short spots, you working it out when you're doing your hours and shit. Yeah. You got to find that place. And I do, his work ethics make me just, I already go hard, but I'm like, God damn, it's another level of going hard. Oh, he's, yeah. He, I'm, he, it was funny, man. He came in and he was just bullshitting, like smoking a cigarette, having a Heineken. And he was like, uh, he said something. He was like, yeah, I don't, uh, trying to write man i don't have any i feel like i got no material and it was like the first grounding moment where i was like oh that's right we all got to write the jokes like he doesn't just get them delivered his front door because he's yeah, got to write the jokes, he's gotta write you know them. what you get we got to write the jokes but we also we got to live the life too because you know how you feel like you get jammed up i ain't creative you like i need a scene or something yeah you know what i mean i gotta go somewhere that's gonna one i can have fun and it's gonna spark yeah something gotta get sparked i think that's why i like going out and that's why i like hanging out with my family because i think most of the material i write Man, that's the best. That's the best hang gang you could ever have, bro. Dude, it's like, and I have a small. My, I got, I just, just family, bro. Family, man. Like, yeah. it's like Michelle Wolf when we were on the road because the Kobe stuff was fresh to all of us, and she said, "Donnell, watching this and seeing this backstory, she said this is the first time I felt like I wanted to have my own family." Oh wow. You know, and that's a tough thing for a woman uh, that's um, at a certain point in their career, especially with women. Like women, men, we can fucking. I had a my son later in life. Women, they got a certain window to do a lot of shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We, you know, what I mean, they got a certain window and to do. Every it. single one of them has to make that call. I watched Taylor Swift's documentary, and she's like. I mean, do I want to have a family? Like, my two years, next two years are already planned out. Right. I've already got two years of touring. Like, what am I going to do? And you think to yourself, even Taylor Swift's like, fuck, am I going to have a family? Yeah, and that, and that, some of them, the one thing, that just to, not the struggles of women, but just have to, they, like, when they get career-oriented, oriented, it's different risks for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, ugh. I'm going to be so much into my career to be so successful. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. But then one day it's going to hit like, oh, shit. Do I have time for it? Yeah. Now, but with you, us. But you, you and I put you and Bill Burr in the same category. You guys both probably at the same age decided, I think I'm ready to have kids now. Yeah. And you had kids and you're like, that's where we're at. It wasn't that I decided. I finally hit a bullseye, son. <laughs> <laughs> when my lady said she was pregnant, I was like, by who, bitch? <laughs> I'm like, not this nut. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was an age requirement to hit that egg, son. I, like, I had to, I thought those sperms had to be young, son. That was just my joy straight. I know it fucking, I know it just like. Uh, like a walker up there? Yeah. All it takes is one. All it takes is one. I got a beautiful oh. baby boy off of that motherfucker old nut. Oh, <laughs> God damn it, man. Do you bring him out on the road with you at all? Um, he's been on the road. He's like, we only nice places. Yeah. You know, like the good <laughs> spots. He went, it's so funny because, um, 
Here, pull him when up. I'm on a, yeah. When ahead. I'm on the road, he's like, he could tell I hate packing around him. So once he see me packing, he's like, Daddy, where you going? I said, going to work. He started crying. I was like, why are you crying? He said, because, Daddy, I want to go to I want to go to work. I want to tell wokes with you. <laughs> wokes? He called. He can't say joke. He said wokes. He just, it's yeah. just he doesn't. Because he's young and he's woke. He's young, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said, I want to tell wokes. And I couldn't say, you ain't got no wokes. <laughs> I was like, so do you have any wokes? I, he said, yeah. I said, what? He said, caca. <laughs> and he looked at me like he just ripped the shit, right? <laughs> he yeah. said, caca. I was like, that's the only woke you got? <laughs> he said, nope. I said, what's your other woke? He said, Pfft. that's the two jokes he wrote his life. Yeah. His three years of life. Three and a half years at the time. Three. Right. So that's his joke. Kaka and woke. So I was at the Montreal Comedy Festival. He came up. And um, he came behind stage. And he's behind the stage. The audience can, can't see him. He can't see the audience. He's on the side. But he can hear the audience laughing. I can see him. I'm on stage, Bert. I'm I'm showing off. It's my son right there. He looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looking at me like, I know he he don't curse, but if he curse, I know he was like, this motherfucker's killing this shit. I just know that's what be that would be his voice. Yeah. And he was like, oh, he was like this grabbing his shit like, oh shit. Oh. He looking at me like, oh shit. And I'm killing it. And then I said, um, I said, uh, I said, yeah, I said something. I said a joke. I said caca. Right? I said caca. He looked at me like. Did this nigga just steal my shit? <laughs> Yo, he looked at me, looked at his mom like, you do here with him? Oh, that's great. Yo, he looked like, I swear, Bert, he looked at me like, he was a joke hater after that. He wasn't even <laughs> laughing at my shit no more. He was looking at me like this. <laughs> like he was upset, right? And I brought him on stage. A lot of times I bring him on stage. I brought him on stage and they was like, oh, this is my son, Austin. And they was like, oh, I picked him up. And he's looking at me in my face like this, right? I picked him up. I said, Austin, you got a joke? He said, yeah. I said, what? He said, <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, um, caca. But he looked at me like, motherfucker, I was going to do caca. <laughs> Yo, you, you already do that. They're going to be like, we stealing material. But it's the, the times that he's come on stage, man, he is not afraid of that microphone. Oh, yeah. He is not afraid of that microphone. He's not afraid of looking at the audience. And, you know, that's any uh, parents probably, you know, dreamed for your kid to at least like what you do. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. At least yeah. like, like it. You know, like, I'm not going to do it, but I see. Yeah. That's what it is. I My, my daughters came up on stage with me when uh, when I was, I was, they were both alive. So, they, I mean, they both could walk. And Georgia, they were in their pajamas, and I was at the Irvine Improv, and they just both ran up on stage in the middle of my set. Uh, so I grabbed them both. The girl, I got a great, it's blurry because that's what cameras were like back then. Right. But I got a blurry picture with both of them. And then Georgia was like, can I tell a joke? And I was like, yeah. So she grabbed the microphone and goes, why did the chicken cross the road? And everyone goes, why? And she goes, why did the chicken cross the road? And they go, why? And she goes, why did the chicken cross the road? And they go, why? And I go, guys, that's the only part of the joke she knows. She's an alternative comic. Yo, <laughs> and, it, that's and, it so gets, funny. and it gets a huge fucking laugh, oh right? My God. And she looks at me like, we're killing it, right, Dad? Yeah. Cause only like when I used to bring on stage, I a couple times he just grabbed the mic and I was behind him like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, y'all not gonna fucking, <laughs> yo, I didn't do like this. Yeah, yeah. And one time, 
And this is why I hate Jeff Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Ross. <laughs> Yo, Ari, I'll pay for you to cameo Jeff Ross. <laughs> Jeff Ross. So I, my son, he came to the Hollywood Improv. He went on stage and uh, they, uh, they was laughing. They was laughing. He's cute. He's adorable. Yeah. And he didn't have a joke. He started singing the Paw Patrol song, right? And I just wanted to post it like, yeah, father, like son, he's on stage, whatever. Everybody's just post, uh, posting aws. Yeah. All love, hearts, all that shit, right? My fucking timeline is filled with emotions, right? <laughs> Jeff Ross, bitch ass, <laughs> puts the kid has no timing. My son didn't read that. I read it, right? The kid has no Yo, he said the kid has no timing, right? Bro, when I tell you it was game on for a week straight, yo, Bert, it was, I was, me and Bearded was memeing the shit out that motherfucker, son. Yo, I was like, give me some more. We had, oh man, we had him being gay. We had him looking pregnant. We went hard on them goddamn memes. And finally, he said, he had to say, he said, okay, Donnie. It's over. <laughs> you win. I would follow him. Oh. I would fucking go to fucking um I would go to goddamn roast battles and just heckle him and run out. Oh. He said my son had no timing. <laughs> my son has timing, motherfucker. <laughs> fucking hating ass Jeff Ross. <laughs> I know not to fuck with Jeff. Anytime I've seen people roast. Yeah. But this is why I knew this motherfucker has no spine. <laughs> Spineless. <laughs> we were at one of them UF, USO tours with the with the wounded warriors, motherfucker. You know the one leg motherfuckers yeah. and the burnt up motherfuckers and shit. Yeah, I'm not saying, that. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't like you can't, if you if you got a wounded warrior, you got to show what they wounded off of. You know, yeah, you can't yeah. have a wounded warrior trying to get money and you you know you can you know you can't see he only got a half a leg. You got to tell him to wrap that shit up. <laughs> And it was a dude, and he goes, I've done some function with him. He was, he was, he got it hit by a mime or burnt up or something like. Hit by a mime? A, a mine or something. Oh, he, mine. You know, they jump on mine. You know what I'm saying? It was like, something happened where burnt, he got burnt up bad, son. Yeah. And uh, and he, they was like, anybody want to go roast? And the burnt nigga, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what burnt, what do you say? He was burnt. He a burnt yeah, nigga. Yeah, yeah. The burnt nigga came on stage. Like, I was like, oh, man. Man. I'm looking at Jeff like, I know this motherfucker ain't going to, man. Fuck that. Don't do it right. <laughs> Jeff looked at him and said, whoa, look like you already been roasted. <laughs> I was like, this motherfucker is, you don't want to fuck with that dude, son. Yeah. That dude don't care about your mother. He don't care about anybody. And he didn't even, it was like he was couldn't wait for the burnt motherfucker to come up there. And he yeah. fucking killed that shit. Yeah, Jeff's, Jeff loves that roast shit. That's his shit. I can't do roast shit. It hurts my feelings. I can't do it because I'm the same way. And I know I will get violent. I just tell people, don't invite me. Like, hey, I'm having a roast. I was like, um, what you want me to do? Come drink? Yeah. You know, because I can't can't do it. I can't do it. I, I they asked me to do one of them on, on uh and at I Montreal. Like, and I was like, nah, man. And then the like, I don't like the contrived, like, it's con me it's contrived. It's like, boom, you get a joke, boom. Like I grew up in DC, we call it Jonin. Joning man, you just look at a person up and down and you just destroy them. Just go hard on them. Just go hard on them. It's like 
you go, it's not like, oh yeah, they're going to come back with this. You might have one or two, your mama. So, but for the most part, you just ruined the motherfucker by, you know, looking at him. But this shit, I saw it in Montreal. I'm, they tried to get me to do it. I was like, I don't want to do it. Because no. if I get mad, all bets are off. They did it. They got Ralphie to do it. And Ralphie didn't prepare any material. He just thought, I'll just go. Oh, with yeah. It. They, oh, you're going to get hit by them assassins. Oh, they got, he got, yo, they destroyed. got the motherfuckers that just all year they just do roasting. But the key roasting is, um, you just got to keep going at a motherfucker. Dude. You, you got you to keep hitting them. If you give motherfuckers time to respond, I'm just, I'm going to be the interrupter. I'm just going to, but I don't like it. That's so crazy, man. That That's like, I, I, I watched Ralphie get roasted and, and the guy that roasted him, I forget who roasted him, but man, fucking destroyed him. But who's that motherfucking wheelchair nigga that be killing on a roast battle? I don't know. He's always, every Tuesday, I forget his name. He's smoke. He's a beast. Really? Yeah. Dude, I follow. He got this joint. The hand. (laughs) What? The the muscular dystrophy? Yeah, yeah. Cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy. Yeah, he got. Joe Rural. He's an animal, son. Really? He's an animal. They be tearing him up. And I'm like this. Y'all playing too fair. Because his setup takes a long time. Oh, yeah. But when he hits it. And you could tell he loves it. He's a beast at it. I've seen him just destroy me. So are you going to have guests on your podcast? I am. Yeah? Yeah, but right now, I'm just, the funny thing about it, when I first started th- th- thinking about doing it, I was like, I don't like to ask people for anything. Well, so it's going to, you know what I mean? I'm like this. It's going to have to be just, I'm going to have to learn how to do it by myself. That's the pr- brilliant way to do it, is learn how to do it by yourself. And if you can have a guest on, have a guest on. Yeah, and like, and I want them to come for me. Eventually, I'll have guests. But I wanted to do it by myself. I wanted to be able to do it with somebody else. But the first time I ever tried it, I got so nervous, son. I quit. The first time I ever tried a podcast, I quit. Really? The first 10 minutes, I started looping. I'm not used to talking to myself. Yeah. I didn't have nobody to talk to. Ain't no immediate oh, I see, response. I see, yeah. And I just said, fuck it, man. And I had I had everything. I had green screen. I had shit. I, I was going to put everybody's podcast into one. I said, I'm going to take a little Burt's, take a little Theo's, <laughs> take a little, you know, sprinkle a little Rogan on it, you know, <laughs> give them a little motherfucking Delia. I was going to just have everybody's shit. Yeah. 10 minutes, I quit, son. <laughs> I said, I'm out of here, right? The producer said, where are you going? I said, I quit. Yeah. He said, you can't quit. I said, whose podcast is it? <laughs> he said, it's yours. I was like, did I quit, nigga? <laughs> and you fired, motherfucker. Unless <laughs> it's over. And then I finally did it. But I'm going to have, it's going to be guests. It's going to be me by myself. I really want to like go on the street because I do a lot of man on the street stuff. Yeah. So I want to just, I, I keep explaining to people it's a podcast, but basically it's a, it's a reality show about a podcast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. That's the, dope, the dopest shit. I'm like, I made my first $100 over the weekend. Really? And I know that don't sound like a lot, but for me, it was like, you know how a store opens? Yeah. And you put that first dollar bill you made? Fuck yeah. I was like this. Oh, shit. I was like this. It's about to be on, son. <laughs> I said, I'm about to do what the white boys been doing. They be keeping it a secret like a motherfucker, son. I'm like, boy, that hundred popped up. I was like this. I'm. I, it, it, the reason why it was so exciting for me, because I had the idea. I got pushed. Joe pushed me. A couple other bearded pushed me. Yeah. People were supportive of it. Even when I talked to you about it, even before when I, you were one of the first people I was talking like, what do you got to do, Baba? And you gave me some good advice. 
right? But I was like this, okay, you're seeing the fruits of your labor. Like, I'm like, now I get it. Yeah. Oh, dude, when when this podcast started making money and then they planned it out, like they booked my year with ads and I went, Oh shit. I was like, oh, I don't I go, I don't I just I just made my travel. I remember my business manager was like, Hey, you just made your travel channel money from your podcast. And I went, Shut up. And he's like, Yeah. And he goes, and you got a tour. He was like, You're gonna be able to tour and you're gonna double the money you made last Rogan year. Rogan told me straight up, my whole thing, I got a young son. Yeah. He told me straight up, I'm gonna say, you can say what that one, but this white boy was throwing me some jewels, right? Yeah. Rogan told me, because young son, been on the road for a while. I want to spend more time with him. I had a great relationship with my father, but now that he's gone, I don't have all the memories I think I should have got. Have I need to come off the road? But that's the only where that's the only place I eat. Hell yeah! So you can't just say I'm not going. You ain't got no money. Yeah. So and then like I I told him I said, man, I want to come off the road. I said I got to reintroduce myself to Hollywood. I got to see if I can get on a show or something, Bubba. He looked at me. He was like, start a podcast. And I was like, nigga, ain't no, I ain't no. I'm like podcast man I, I told you i need to get some money i looked at his compound in the studio i was like maybe did you see what they projected his earnings as uh-uh. it, was out, it was out yesterday they say he makes 30 million dollars a year off of this podcast it, man what listen i think that's i think that's <laughs> light to be yeah. honest with you. i think he makes more yo i'm like this i'm like not just the money part of it but he made it sound so simple it is. It, it is. I know. You know the what? The way his brain works, it's but it simple. Was, but he, he even laid the plane. Say, I said, because I didn't have a lot of subscribers. I was like, what did I do? He's like, do the podcast. He said, you come on my show. He already told you. He already told me I'm doing your show. He's yeah, like yeah. this. He's yeah, like, he goes, you do yeah. Burt's. You do everybody. But I was like, this is the fucking unity I want in the hood. Yeah. I was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, And I ain't knocking my race or anything. Like That motherfucker laid it out. It's like, this is how we're going to get you some money, Donnell. And it's not like I don't get money, but I want it, like you said, I want it a different way. I want to be able to control my own schedule. Yeah. And, like, look look how free everybody, the goal is I want to be <clears throat> Joe Rogan. But that's just so, fruit is so high to hit that. Oh, but yeah. the inspiration and motivation, and you feel like you can find a place. Dude, I just, I'm cool with being Burt Kreischer right now. And I'm like, I'm no nowhere near him, but I go, I could just, if I needed to, I could just live off my podcast. Right. I don't need to do the road. Now, if I do the road, then I get to have nice but things. But that's the, but that, that, that gives you, um, it's just a different, like, and that's what my transition is right yeah. now. Yeah. That's why, you know, I tell people, it's so hard for me. I do radio shows and I forget. You're tell them so about your podcast. So good tell them about the podcast. Shows. Tell them this. I'm so not used to doing that, you know, but. It's really growing. The Donnell Rollins show. Dude, next it's time be- next time you go on on uh on fucking Breakfast Club, get them to subscribe to your podcast. People listen to that show. Oh, I know. Because that because that show But that they show say isn't they- just a, 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 a urban show. I know. So many fucking white culture. people listen. But they to that. be you know what? They they gotta give me a fair shake. You know what I'm saying? Like when I go on the Breakfast Club, I gotta fight all these motherfuckers. I'm you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm tired of fighting them because they can't beat me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know what I'm saying? They're not going to win that. Like, you've tried, like, oh, the joke, the prank, uh, funny. So now let's, I just fucked you up. You you got a fucking ass and some balls as your prop. You gave that to another man. That don't make you gay, but it's gay shit. Yeah. And you've been putting your finger in the butt. They don't make you gay, but it's gay shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. and I just, I, the last time I did Breakfast Club, I came up there with air horns. 
Every time Charlamagne's fit, I was fit. I was hitting him, hitting him, roasting him, roasting him. I ain't fucking with Yee because I love Angela Yee. That's yeah. my girl. But I got to fuck with these two motherfuckers trying to clown me. I'm fucking them up. I do it so much, but now let's get to the real shit. Yeah. Let's get to the fact that um, I did the Degenerates and smoked that shit. Let's get to the fact that I did Monique's uh, special and Friends. I smoked that shit. Let's get go to the fact that I did Jay and Solid Bob reboot. I was in there for 10 seconds. I smoked the opening scene up. Let's get to this summer. Pixar has a movie called Soul. Jamie Foxx is the lead. First uh, black person ever lead in a Pixar movie. I got a, something in that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the other shit. I could be silly with you all, all the time. Anytime. But at the same time, let me get my shit off. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You yeah. can't fuck with me. Let's play fair. When I do Ebros, it's a different interview. When I do uh, Sway. Sway in the morning, it's a different interview. But like Wu-Tang, I got different fighting styles. I could fuck you up on whatever one it is. I'm glad you're doing this podcast, man. I think it's going to be really fucking big And you're sincere about it. Like every time, I who have I talked to about my podcast? I You, I've talked to you, Joe, Theo, um... Chris D'Elia. Tom. Um, yep. Yeah. Tom. I talked to Angela Yee, Joe Buttons, um, and a couple of other people, but they all, all the, the sentiment is the same. Like, it's going to be easy for you. you, you, know, you I'm telling you, it's it. perfect for you. It's it's so your personality. Yeah. And I, I guarantee you, I I wouldn't be shocked if you could, you'd, your best episodes were just you monologuing. Yeah. Just you talking. Because you don't, I mean, I think you you feel like you need someone to talk to, but your thoughts are so streamlined. Like when we were doing that show and you started talking about memories you didn't have with your father that you wanted to create with your right. son. Do something like, like all the fuck, the, our whole. Yo, that would, that, as crazy as your show is. Yeah. And as crazy you are. I knew me doing your show, it was going to be some crazy shit, right? But you don't understand. I didn't know. You don't understand. Because at first, they was like, this is just reality of the whole process. Oh, yeah, they gave me the short version, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they was like, yeah, you're going to be hanging out with, Bert's going to take some of his friends out, right? You guys are going to go fishing and shit. I'm like, oh, I love fishing, right? Look, this is what I'm thinking, son. I'm like, we're going to go fishing. They was like, do you guys want to chop it up? I was like, yeah. And they was like, it's going to be me, you, and Bill Burr. Right? Yeah. That's what I originally That's who it was supposed to That's be. Was and then Bill be. got the Mandalorian. Yeah, I know. Then I'm like, this, yeah, I want to talk to Bill Burr about some shit anyway, right? I'm yeah. like, let's just go fishing and hunting, right? <laughs> you get there and it's Bobby Lee. Yo, yo, when I get there, son, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'll take a woo second. But when I got there, right, and I was like, I love Bill Burr. We go way back, right? We've had some issues, right? Yeah. But um, I'm like, I saw Bobby Lee. I was like, I was just like this. I was like, I saw Bobby Lee. I was like, oh, oh this is gonna be a long. I day. was like, I was like, it's gonna be that motherfucker. You and him together. Oh, dude, that's the funniest episode we had. We shot, but, but wait, you that one. There's like, it's hard to put him in, but that one was so good because we ended up the way it ended. I don't want to tell. I don't want to spoil. I want people. I don't to see remember, it. but you know what? It was a. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to spoil anything, but my, and I, as crazy as you motherfuckers are, I never tried to like fuck the storyline up or anything. I knew what it was. Dude, it was you perfect. knew what it was. You it know? was perfect. I'm like this. I'm going to be me. 
Yeah. That's oh, the only thing. I knew you so well. I was like, do this. <laughs> he probably is not going to do this. Right. And they're like, perfect. Right. We need someone to comment. Okay. He's probably gonna, and then and then I said that last thing, the very very last thing we did at the end of the night. Yeah. I go, I want him to do that. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna try to get him to do that because right. I think that'll be funny. Just watching. We the worked three it out like that. at it the end. Perfect. Like finally, his they changed them. They oh. flipped them over. But my moment for me was the, uh, the when you made food. Yeah, that conversation. I like it, man. It's like, man. So when you honestly real jewels come, we got to a comfort zone. Even oh, with the dude, cameras, we got so to great. comfort zone, and like. I think that that moment is going to, my opinion, make sense of the episode. Yeah. Oh, the I, the whole thing, you know? the way the way we're editing them now. I got to head over to an editing session right now. But the way we're editing them, um, we've got this, we've got this, these crazy hilarious moments. But it's it's. I mean, I'm not to spoil the show, and it may change. I don't want anyone to get upset. But it's it's the the podcast of us hanging that drives the story bro i already know what you're doing yeah yo i was like this i i'm a producer myself right i was like they getting these pieces i'm like this i you the outside of the puzzle is already is already yeah. that's the most important part you yeah, guys already yeah. get outside now just getting in there i know when we had a shot i know it and i know i was gonna drive it's it's yo it's dysfunctional it's everything but i really with each thing we did, the explanation of it, I see the storyline of it. I get it. Yeah. As chaotic as it is, you like this, oh that's what God. he was trying to say. But did he really have to do that to make that point? <laughs> but it was like, I was saying to myself, I was and when I did it, when I left here, I was like, the things I do for my motherfucking friends, son. Yo, I was like this. I was like, this motherfucker's out of control. <laughs> I was like, yeah, out of control. But I said, I know he appreciated me and it was fun. Dude, well, I love you, man. I'm so, I'm, I'm so, so happy for you doing your podcast. Thank you, bro. And, uh, and I, I love following you on Instagram. You're one of my best, my favorite Appreciate followers. It. Yo, you know, I still have you in my phone as Caucasian friend. You know, I still got you as Donnell African American. <laughs> Yo, I'm saying you can't get no real in that, son. The only thing is, Caucasian friend, only one person pop up, son. So that's it. Yo, man, please, y'all, man, friend for years, dope motherfuckers. I'm just joining this this um podcast world and the Donnell Rawlins show. How do you say it? Subscribe to it and uh rate review. Rate review, subscribe. Give it a good positive review. Give it a positive review. And it's streaming on all uh podcast platforms, right? Yeah, you can get it anywhere. Anywhere you get podcasts, you can get your podcast. You can get it. Name of it's too soon. No, the Donnell Rawlins show. Donnell Rawlins show. I was thinking about too soon, but I didn't just want to be connected to it's, too it's soon. better to have your name in it. The Donnell Rawlins show. The Donnell Rawlins show. Uh, I love you, brother. Thank you for love doing you this, Love you, too. Man. Thank Fuck you, man. Yeah. That was some fun shit. That was awesome. My man. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.